and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the Yerky Yerky Boys. Boys. This week we're doing book 27, The Exposed. Starring, released in February 1999. (laughs) Yeah, February 1999. Wow, what a month. Yeah, exciting. It's really, really, really exciting. Uh, uh, just, just a bit of show business up top. We might have launched our Patreon. <laughs> Possibly. I, it, we haven't done it yet, but we may have done it by the time this episode drops. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. we've been talking about it and trying to figure it out. If you listened last week, that was the first time it really became a possible thing. And I, you know, I think it's fitting. I think it would be fitting for our show if we just jump into it without any plan and we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> that, yeah, that's about right. Isn't that kind of the best way to do it? Yeah, sure. I mean, we could also uh, discuss our plans on the air and monetize it. <laughs> that's the first Patreon episode you have to pay for. It's us <laughs> discussing what should be on the Patreon. Yeah, we'll record that before we do it. And then it'll be there for you. I anyway, the possible the possible plan, what might happen, is that if you contribute $5 a month, you'll get four bonus episodes in case three hours of Animorphs discussion weren't enough from you. You'll get four bonus episodes each month of us discussing possible Animorphs content or other tangentially related media. If that sounds interesting to you, let us know what you think and take a look at maybe patreon.com slash the Yerky Boys. You got to at least go to that URL out of curiosity to see it if it exists or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I would do in your position. Right, which is missionary. And sure. we, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start a Discord. I don't know. You can still let us know what you think a Patreon is. <laughs> and we'll take that feedback into account. We yes. also have uh, some sharing to do. Ooh. Okay. The sharing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is uh, this one comes in from our friend Stephen. Mm-hmm. Stephen writes in with the subject line fan theory and a correction. Hmm. <laughs> My two, my two favorite things. It's to the see only from thing it. we ever get, really. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> it's usually one of those or both. <laughs> Hi, Yerky boys. First of all, I asked Will to relay this correction, but he was too dumb to remember it. No, no. Well. Listen, also, just because I know you in real life doesn't mean that I am like your slave. You have to you have to send things in through official channels if you want them on the podcast. That's right. No preferential treatment. Right. Also, that I am kind of you, dumb. mom. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Steven continues, you compared a fight scene in The Extreme, which was... Was that last week? Book twenty, <laughs> book twenty-five, oh, no, two when they were ago. polar bears, Venber, you know, the Arctic. 
Stephen writes, and, and this you, he means me. You compared a fight scene in the extreme to the Verdugo fight in Resident Evil 4. Is that what the thing is called? Where you said that Leon used nitroglycerin to defeat it. But it was actually liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen is famous for being cold enough to instantly freeze things. The whole point of both fights. So I don't know how you made such an obvious mistake. Okay, that's on the record now. Uh Well, I mean, nitroglycerin blows up. It's like the opposite. Right, but they did, in the the book, they did talk about freezing things. Right, right, which would be (laughs) liquid nitrogen. But in the book, it was nitroglycerin. Or no, right? Was it liquid nitrogen? In the book, it was just a cold substance. Oh, I see. I see. I thought in the book they it was nitroglycerin, but I confusedly said, "Oh, isn't that the stuff from Resident Evil 4?" I don't even I know what my mistake misspoke. was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even I need a correction for for the correction. I don't know what I even I don't even understand the correction. Well, anyway, I'm not going to go back and listen to that episode or read that book. I'm not even going to read the rest of this email. Okay. <laughs> no, Stephen continues with now his fan theory. I also have a theory about how Howler memory works. <laughs> what this is? What is this? Is so stupid. I hate everything about this. Is what humanity has led to. This is what millions of years of evolution. You know, it's all come to us on Discord talking about Stephen's theory of Howler memory. <laughs> This sucks. You're just in a grumpy mood because you got corrected this time and not me. Uh, As we saw with the ones Krayak destroyed, there is a time delay before the memories make it into the collective. But I suspect that normally Krayak doesn't go through all the trouble of zapping individual howlers out of existence and when they lose. I think he built this delay in on purpose so that when, when a howler dies, its memories don't get sent to the collective, thus automatically pruning any memories of defeat. But this also means that howlers probably don't have any knowledge of what can kill them or even what death is. So when one howler fell off the edge, they only understood that he was gone, not that he was dead. All he had to do was return and say, I am back. And they would say, yes, you are back. Mm, like I that think reference. Is that, that, is that Hork Bajir? Yeah. Reference? Okay. That was when Visser... Whatever. You can move on. I, I think that your point about this being a weakness, since they never have opportunities to learn from failure, is a good one. Oh, thanks, Steven. I just think that Krayak values strength and victory so much that he's blind to this weakness. But I also think this isn't just stupidity on his part. The Animorphs injure a Howler and it recovers, and Krayak doesn't have a problem with this. They try to catch the Animorphs multiple times and fail, and again, this isn't a problem. And the Howlers do learn from these mistakes, pumping in bug poison so that the Animorphs can't escape an insect morph. But Howlers never have a morale problem, because in their minds, success is inevitable and failure is impossible, so they never give up. And Krayak probably values this relentless commitment to achieving their goals over anything that true failure could teach. I think this this also makes more sense if you view Krayak as pure ontological (laughs) evil rather than a rational actor. Someone more inclined to make the cruel decision than the smart decision. Anyway, let me know what you think. 
I think, Stephen, that every sentence you write makes me want more and more to stuff you in a locker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. This, these sentences can't be worse than the sentences about grass. <laughs> Perhaps not. Um, I mean, at least he didn't say <laughs> neotenic. <laughs> right. Famous word, neotenic. <laughs> Dr. Neotenic. It's that's borderline. That's good. Um, I I think I agree with his larger point about Krayak and his goals, and that is very true. That they do actually experience failure in other forms in the book. So, fair point on that. I don't know about the building a delay into their memory. That feels like you're just trying to excuse the sloppy writing. But <laughs> sure, if you want to believe that, then I think it's fine. That's what I think. What about you? Yeah, I, I I I don't know about the building a delay. I guess you could read it that way. You could not. Um, you know, clearly the howler that fell at some point must have uh, blanked out of crack. Or, I mean, I wonder if just dying isn't good enough. Like, maybe it's totally fine to have... No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's I think it's probably more like what you're saying. There's not really enough information to craft a there's either two either every theory you craft is kind of coherent because there's you can there's like two data points you can fit anything you want onto it or like none of them are because there's just not enough to build something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, if if you didn't listen to or read book 25, then uh, you have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Well, the second one was 26. I'm sorry, 26. Well, the first 26. one was 25. <laughs> right. <laughs> 26 <laughs> is what I meant, but you can go back you can go back in time through Rosario Rip and listen to last week's episode and then come back to us. Now, uh, I think I think that's all the business I have. Yeah. That should be all the business that we have before we get into this book. So I guess we can do that. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Rachel book. Um, this is a ghost-written book. We are back to the ghost writers. Um, oh, scary. For a while. Now, uh, so the ghost writer on this book is named Laura Bat-Yan-Yi Weiss. It looks like, like Vice, <laughs> but it's not spelled like that. <laughs> How do you say this name? What do you do with was, this name? Yeah, it's pro <laughs> it's probably yeah. My guess would have been Weiss or Vice as well, but it's two S's, yeah. so it's like well, is that how how does Rachel Vice spell her name? So the two S's is correct, but the E and the I should be flipped. It looks like okay. an Americanization at, where it's like Weiss, but yeah. like it it's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Now I did a little research on her. Did you? Uh, a little bit, not much, like five minutes worth. Yeah, I mean, I clicked on one website. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I clicked on like two, I think, so I might be ahead All of you. Right. Yeah, well, I just wanted, you know, just like the last Ghostwriter, I, I wanted to see, oh, what, what kind of, what are they, what else have they done? Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks like now she just goes by, she dropped the Batyani, it's cleaner. Yeah. I see, I see just Laura Weiss. I also see that maybe she hasn't written anything since 2014. Yeah, the stuff that I saw for her writing all seemed to be late aughts into the early teens. Um, 
So I don't know. It seems like this was like a ghostwriting thing early in her career. Then she had some kind of a thing around then. And then who knows? Did she like start writing under a different name? Did she do something else? I don't know. I didn't look at it. I don't know. Yeah, because these there must be like a contract they sign where they're not allowed to say they wrote an Animorphs book or at least not like promoted like as part of their official resume or something. Yeah, I don't know, because, you know, the the names of these people. Yeah, no. OK, OK. So so the um, in book 25, if you went to yeah. the dedication page, there was like the author would like to thank, you know, X person for writing for help with the manuscript. But sure. in this book, I don't see any mention of this person. Uh, oh, really? I thought they inside. were always dedicated. I thought they were too because I, I had seen them in multiple books, but uh, th- this one sure isn't, or at least my copy isn't. Interesting. Yeah, that's weird. I just know that from looking up the last author and now this one, their own websites and portfolios online don't say anything yeah. about Animorphs, which I would think if you're an author, you would want to tell people you wrote an Animorph. Like that's that's a well-known series. Well, I mean, you know, unless you're really trying to get out of kid lit or something, I feel like that goes on your resume. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think that that probably is some kind of contract thing where where there's only so much you're allowed to say about which what series you ghostwrote for. Because even Kay Applegate, I know, was ghostwriting for a lot of different series before she started Animorphs, and I don't think she has like official credits for any of it anywhere. It's just she talks about it sometimes. Yeah, well, Laura Weiss is a native of Central Jersey, so shout out. Yeah, so get her the fuck out of here. And don't be rude. And she it looks like she has written mostly uh, romance novels. So, so it's interesting. When I was reading through the um, plot summaries, I'll, they were all, like, marked as being in the romance genre, but none of the, like hooks or plot summaries seemed to have anything to do with romance, or, like, one of them did. For the most part, they all seemed to be, like, teenage familial trauma you know what i mean like i have a neglectful parent i have my mother is an addict my dad is sexually abusive or something like that and then there'd like be some romance plot line with the kid and some other kid in it um but it was really weird like reading some of them and just being all like so this person you know her her mother has been addicted to whatever substance and she's never felt loved and she's always been neglected and now her mother is in the hospital and maybe dying and like blah 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 and i'm like okay sure genre romance and i'm like i don't know that i like that genre <laughs> i don't know that i like where this is going <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think what the confusion is here is that they they mean romance like with a capital R, like in the mm. classical sense. That yeah, could be. Rom- that could be romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's probably not what they mean. Well, as a, I'm I sort of am a literary guy, so that's something that I come across quite frequently. Is that mix up? Do you think that Laura but but Yanyi Weiss is um classy enough? For, for that, her literature is of that caliber? I do. Okay. Uh, uh, mainly because uh, she is a woman, and I do believe that women are capable of that. <laughs> okay, that logically follows. I'm also seeing all of her books that I'm seeing uh, on online don't also don't include the Batyanyi. So she might have dropped oh, this yeah. when she went solo. This I don't know that. I don't know about it. I don't know if this is that her middle name. Was she married or is it just like a 
that name is too hard to say. We can't sell you with that name. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Should have been LBW. Laura BW. Laura's B. I don't know. <laughs> Has My anyone name. done that? You see a lot of the first names are the initials, but does anyone use their first name and then they have initials for the end? That's a good <laughs> spin on it. I might I it's... might do that. You're doing a good job uh, just going off and not talking about this book at all. Uh, so so LBW here has also done two other Animorphs books. We're going to see her in the future for books 31 and 39, which is uh, different from the last guy who did two Marco books. All three of these are going to be different characters. Okay, interesting, because I would have guessed, oh, I bet she's the Rachel person, but apparently not. Yeah, no, uh, I guess not. Um, and she keeps getting invited back, so. I guess not, uh, like, like knots in the sea? Yes, because uh, this is a book that has to do with the sea, as evidenced by the fact that the cover has Rachel morphing into a squid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good transition setup there. Thank you. That's what I do. It's called a segue, by the way, <laughs> in case you need a simpler word for that. In the future. Uh, yeah, she's turned into a squid. She's got like a, a colorful bathing suit on. Not not what I assume is her morphing attire, which is just like a leotard. This looks like she's ha- hanging out, like having fun. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens yeah. to be turning into a squid. Too many designs or patterns. Yeah. These uh, squids. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I like the Rachel with just one giant eye or the squid with the weird Rachel face. Mm-hmm. I like how her hair turns into the squid head and the rest of her head basically just turns into the the eye. Yeah, that kind of bothers me. (laughs) Just again, these covers tend to, you know, like they'll always be doing a pose that just perfectly aligns with the wings of the creature or whatever. Whereas in the book, it's all mismatched and fucked up and chaotic. But I guess it's it looks cool on the cover, but I'm like, what the hair? turn into the head <laughs> i don't know if it would really but it's fine yeah the parts that turn into other parts don't always make sense like yeah you know, like your yeah. your arms when you're turning into a bird should probably just always be the wings that's like Is the this... analogous structure but sometimes right. it feels like wings just like shoot out of your back yeah that's true how many aquatic animals have we had on covers doesn't feel like it's been that many the dolphin this the shark. Shark, okay. Uh, Maybe that's, that could be that it? it. I can't think of any others. I couldn't even remember the shark, so, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, no, that's a fun <laughs> cover. I mean, we have, like, an ocean background, actually. Like, usually the backgrounds yeah. are sort of uh, stre- just random streaks of color or maybe the sky. That's this true, is- yeah. This is, the, we have a defined place here. Yeah. <laughs> the wall, which is the water. <laughs> mm. I mean... They thought they'd seen it all. They were wrong. <laughs> now, that could have maybe been a better tagline for the last book. Yeah. The last book well, was pretty bad. They well, really maybe now, been. now it's like, well, now they've seen it all, surely. Mm. Surely. <laughs> After that one. I feel like at this point in the series, they are pretty convinced that they have not seen it all. Now, tech, I mean, technically that tagline is accurate they do see things they had not seen before in this book yes 
But I don't know that it's truly a real, uh, you know, as compared to the last book, it's not like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Our world's really turned upside down now. We're kind of past that point. It's Yeah, I don't... I don't know how to, you're not really going to turn the whole world over again. <laughs> but it's fine. It's whatever. And oh, okay. I just looked at the inside. You just looked at the inside cover, huh? <laughs> uh, Do you, would you like to try to describe it? <laughs> it's Rachel and a squid, of course, in the foreground. There's some other anamorph squids, presumably. I guess you don't know if you're reading this for the first time in the background. And there's also uh, a giant underwater ship, like a like a spaceship or some kind of submarine that is shaped like a cute dog, a bit like Snoopy, you might say. <laughs> a bit like Snoopy, glowing green. And when I say shaped like a dog, I mean like it looks like a robot dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it looks, if you were to imagine some kind of toy robot dog that walked around awkwardly on legs and everything was round, it would be that, except those legs are, like, sitting sideways and they're, like, thrusters. Kind of looks like one, like the a 90s or 2000s, one of those crappy dog toys, Android mm-hmm. dogs you could buy that you could, like, technically could train it to bark when you say a command, but it didn't really work. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what it looks like. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, that's a thing that's in this book. That is the thing in this book, and now you know what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. So inside a quote here, we've got Rachel's getting a sinking feeling. And I got to tell you, we have a three-dot alert going on here. Three dots, three dots. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, uh, out of the ordinary. I like this. This is that's a That is a good inner quote. Yeah, that's... that's, that's <laughs> For, uh, yeah, high tier. As far as these kinds of quotes are concerned, this is one of the better ones, like best. Yeah, because it it has a double meaning. She's literally Mm -hmm. sinking. She's getting a sinking feeling, and Mm -hmm. she's, like, worried about the situation. No notes. That's good. (laughs) They did a good job. Yeah, no, it is, 100%. Great. (laughs) All right. I think we can talk about the, 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 the part with the words in it. Okay. All right, let's let's start this book. So uh, we start off. Rachel is at her gymnastics studio. Um, she's at practice, and she is once again doing badly on the balance beam as usual. That's her nemesis. And uh, while she's on it, this hot guy named TT uh, shows up, and he starts like hitting on her, and she falls off the balance beam. And um, and she's really mad at him. He tries to like help her up, and she pushes him away. And, uh, and so T.T., during this interaction, asks her out and asks her to go to a movie with him. Um, and she gets mad. She rejects him. Uh, and she leaves all angry-like. And uh, she doesn't see Tobias. She's looking for Tobias. Uh, she doesn't see him, so she goes to the mall to feel better by shopping and uh, meets up with Cassie there. Can we begin with and maybe for my benefit a little recap of where we last left Rachel in terms of her uh you know like where we last left her spiritually and <laughs> emotionally like I remember that she had a small breakthrough I don't remember if it was her most recent book mm-hmm. 
where she was like, oh, I, maybe I won't be so rash and violent anymore. But then I, she's obviously like went right back to that, but I can't remember if she had a book in between or when did that happen? Do you know what I, yeah, she did not have a book in between, but okay. the section where that she was, was a David like, book. yeah, it was the David book. Yes. The section where she said, I am going to try not to be violent anymore was about one sentence in like the last paragraph of that book. And <laughs> sure. the, the like first scene we see Rachel in the next book, she is like stomping down buildings and want- wantonly throwing people around as an elephant, or I don't even know. Uh, she has not appeared to really have grown from that at all, other than just she is aware of it now in a way that she hadn't really been before. Like, that does seem different. Yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess it's not... It's it's too strong a word to say that it's... I don't know, like it's a retcon even. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's... But it is for me. I do remember feeling like... Maybe it was only one sentence, but I did kind of feel like it, it felt at least a little significant. Yeah. But, yeah, in this book, she's back to being... Uh, as she says, reckless, mm-hmm. which she believes keeps her alive, <laughs> is being reckless. That's yeah, her perspective. <laughs> I, I don't know, because uh, the other Animorphs are still alive, and uh, I'm not going to say they aren't reckless, but uh, Rachel might be a little more so, and I don't really know that that's the deciding factor here. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say maybe it's Jake is the reason you're alive. That could I, that could be, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the reckless thing probably isn't doing it for you the way you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's the mindset of this book. And I'm, I do think, as you said, we it does represent a sort of development, maybe not a development, like a progression towards being a better person or a more stable person, but it is a development of her character that she is now dealing with it in a more front and center way. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm trying to think if I, if I think that this book does have her seeming like she's actively confronting it, I'm not sure that she is because like there is a difference between I'm aware of it and I'm trying to confront it and I'm failing and like I am aware of it and I take note of it and then I just don't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's more like that. Yeah. (laughs) She's a little, she's too preoccupied in this book thinking about boy troubles, Mm -hmm. (laughs) boy problems. As Carly Ray would say. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess one of the other things is that with um, with Rachel's violence problem, it's like they kind of they they bring up that this is a, an escalating issue. And then when they do say, I decided to be better about it, that's like a final concluding point in a book midway through the series. So that kind of like can't be the conclusion like that has to be you have to explore that further to some extent. Um like, it feels like you teed up this thing that she's got to deal with. You can't just say it's dealt with. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was just a, a, an issue of they sometimes mm-hmm. like to end books and they mm-hmm. want you to feel like there's resolution. 
but then they remember, oh, wait, there's more books. Yes. <laughs> so so it's just all you had to do was just tweak that end of that last one just a bit, and it would lead nat- more naturally into this. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's really their fault. Like, the same thing with Cassie in the Departure book. Like, don't – you can just you got to write yourself an out. Why are you making it so you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to just go back on what you said? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty yeah. sure they knew there were going to be more books. I don't think they were, uh, at least I assume they weren't guessing each month. Are we going to get renewed for another book? I, yeah. They probably knew. And I mean, that's the, that's the other kind of frustrating thing is that it's like, it's not like you can't progress those storylines. It's just that sometimes they don't. And when they don't, they do just kind of forget that they happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe it's, I'm trying to think of, like, I'm sure Monk learns not to be so worried about germs every episode <laughs> or something. And that it's, I guess it's kind of like that procedural thing. That's just what happens. Yeah. Or Peter learns to be a better husband to his family in Family Guy. And then he forgets. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's like Scully sees an alien, but then she's like, ah, well, I bet there's not one this time, though. Yeah, it's more like that. <laughs> It's not really yeah. like the thing I said. Yours was good. Yours Mine was, was only good, good for like season one. <laughs> Does he actually ever learn to be a better father? I, I feel know. like he learned, they try to make him learn lessons for like the first season. And then they were like, no, this is dumb as shit. We're not doing that he, anymore. He, he is the family guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we're, we're lucky to do a family guy cast one. next. <laughs> that's most of what our Patreon is. <laughs> Just fam. Well, because Brian is a talking dog, so mm. that's that's our end to It's like a talking hawk. Very similar. Uh, okay, so last book, we, or no, I'm sorry, two books ago, we had Marco trying to date the girl of his dreams. Yes. Teresa? Marion. <laughs> was her? Marion. That was close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and now we have another uh open here with Rachel and a boy which feels a little bit like oh are the animorphs are we starting to get into a slightly more mature like now they're I mean there's always kind of been some romance stuff but now mm-hmm. they're seems like they're hitting it harder in these books yeah they are for sure they're pushing on it because uh you know we've got Cassie and Jake actually having their first kiss woo the Rachel and Tobias stuff is a lot more prominent than it was while K.A. Applegate was still writing the series. Like, starting, is, I think it is starting in book 23. <laughs> like it's starting this season yeah. is where you really see it. Definitely. You know, this is the fr- the ghostwriters took over and they're like, Jesus Christ, let these kids fuck already. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's the ghostwriters' words, not mine. Yeah. And Marco is still just hitting on girls. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, we have Rachel coming up against TT. Yeah, well, like, what the hell is that bullshit? <laughs> Not like TJ. I don't. <laughs> also, like, she doesn't say his nickname. She says a guy named TT. T period, T period. Like, that's his name. <laughs> nobody, but no, I mean, even if that isn't his name, like, nobody is calling you. Be, and, and because remember, these are teenagers. The second you say, I'm going to go by my initials, I'll just have everyone call me TT. All the other, <laughs> right, right, every other 14-year-old guy is going to be like, hey, Titty, what's up? And then you're going to be like, oh, God, I can't do that. 
I need to, I'll call myself Terrence. <laughs> Unless you're like a cool party guy, like Animal House, and it's like, whoa, your gum's titty, dude. He just drank seven beers and he's just going <laughs> to jump off the roof, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that would work if he just called himself titty. <laughs> There was, this is true, a summer camp that I attended and worked at had, I don't know if you, did you ever do a summer camp? I went to them. I never worked at one. Well, this was a day camp, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a lot of summer camps, this is the East Coast thing. They have like, we'll have weird inside jokes and traditions and that kind of thing for the campers and the employees. There was a guy who worked there for Years that who was like you know older he was like in his forties maybe thirties or forties when I was around, and his nickname that was they called him this like at announcements in front of the whole camp. What this was like on his name tag or whatever. His name was T I D D Y Titty. That's good. I like that's what that. everybody called him, and there was never a, yeah. there was never you know this was this was nowadays that that kind of thing wouldn't fly because of the woke mob. <laughs> that, that's how it, it, it wouldn't fly because the kids would all like uh, film that on their phone, and then the parents would actually see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that camp shut down. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stupid name. I'm glad at least I, I bet Kay Applegate that was in her outline. That's that's a KA original, I think. <laughs> it could easily be. As, or, or as like, was later on, there's a name. There's or maybe a she changed it, right? Like maybe uh, maybe the <laughs> the original writer, you know, came in and was all like, this is, uh, I don't know. I already said Terrence can't be Tom, but you get it. They, they named this kid this something TJ. normal. This is TJ. And she's yeah. like, uh, let's make let's that tweak second it. J and T. She does tweak them. <laughs> yeah, right. I just think that J should be a T. That's just a feeling I'm getting. My muse is telling me a T. I, I mean, so Rachel is seems like she's actually kind of into him. Like she thinks oh, he's, yeah. he's cute for sure. And I'm just thinking like Tobias, TT. She's into T names here, I think. She's got <laughs> a thing for T it. names. And I think maybe Jake should try calling himself Take. <laughs> Well, then it would be, I mean, that's it. That's the end for both of them. Because she's already, on a daily basis, struggling to resist him. Yeah, yeah. How Do you think the other Animorphs podcasts, would you just <laughs> go in and like listen to this book that other Animorphs podcasts have covered and see, for comparison's sake, <laughs> how much time they spend on TT? <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet they didn't cover him as thoroughly as we do. <laughs> I just bet. I just bet. Do you um, think TT is maybe Terry's new nickname? Oh, you know him and his best friend JJ. He re- yeah, he rebranded himself. <laughs> yeah, that could be. That could be. Maybe it's just Terry and Juan in, in a trench coat, standing <laughs> on each other's shoulders. Um, so Rachel almost accepts this date, but of course she remembers Tobias and I'm going to be honest for a second. I forgot about Tobias and I was, I was going, Oh, this guy's cute. Rachel, go for it. And then I was like, Oh, right. She's dating a bird. (laughs) Right. She, uh, she does seem pretty upset about the fact that she's dating a bird. She has all these little snarky comments. She's like, Oh, if we went to a 90 minute movie, we could go for pizza afterward. (laughs) <laughs> right. Which again is a stark contrast to every other Rachel book where she 
barely mentions Tobias, <laughs> certainly doesn't mention that they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here they're not. She says she calls Tobias her boyfriend in quotes, and and it feels like she doesn't really. She's like, I don't know. Is that can I really say that we're dating? I don't think I can. Is you know, I, I mean? do like. I think this works very well as a metaphor for long distance relationships or other kinds of relationships when you're not quite. It could be two kids going to a different school or something like that where there's a strain that makes it hard for you to hang out. It's like, oh, if only I could be with the people who are closer to me all the time. I don't know that the book really fully takes advantage of that. I think Mm -hmm. that could be a a strong metaphor that is relatable for people and teenagers alike, but it's kind of there. So I I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I guess I could. Um, Oh, God. Although when I was in a long-distance relationship, I was never all like, oh, maybe I should go date this other person instead. Oh, Because I'm a good – I oh, mean, wow. I'm a good person. You see, I'm a oh, lot more loyal God. than Rachel is. You know, Holy that's what I'm saying. shit. Oh, my God. I, the fucking governor's going to come and give you a medal for that. I'm just saying Fuck maybe you. Rachel's not, Fuck you know – Fuck off. She... What are you, Cassie? <laughs> Fuck off. Go fuck yourself. I'm more like Tobias. I'm actually loyal. Oh, I've never wanted to cheat except on anybody. That, except that, well. <laughs> <laughs> except oh. for you. You don't know about my other podcasts. How dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it is, it is, We. you see, like, how Rachel thinks about her relationships here. Like, Again, like she, she's like resentful of Tobias for being a bird, but then she's also mad at herself for even thinking about it. She's just mad at everybody all the time. Yeah, yeah, I get it. That's her secret, Cap. Yeah, that's Rachel is a little hulkish. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Hulk going around these comics. I mean, this book. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So as we recall, Rachel went to the mall, right? Because she was feeling bad. <clears throat> She's there with Cassie. As we recall. And uh, the two of them there, uh, while they are shopping, they see Eric. Um, and Eric's hologram is flickering. Uh, like an old TV or something. Um, and so Cassie and Rachel go to try to help, uh, you know, Eric's losing control of his hologram. His force field is entirely gone, so they can just, like, reach through and touch his robot body. Uh, He can barely even walk. He's, like, freezing up, and he doesn't know why. So uh, Rachel uses her mall knowledge to uh, quickly get him into Spencer's gifts so that people won't think it looks weird when there's just a robot standing there. Um, and she puts like a she like makes a five thousand dollar price tag and slaps it on him, right? So nobody will will buy him. Um, and uh, gets Cassie to run interference while she calls Jake and Marco to come help them. Um, so Rachel then goes out and buys some clothes and a mask to disguise Eric. Uh, there, the store clerk is like getting on to them. Um, Jake and Marco show up. Marco is a gorilla at this point, pretending to be a guy in a gorilla costume (laughs) and uh, knocks out the store clerk and they dress Eric up like a boy and Marco carries him out. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck did you even just say? (laughs) 
No one listening. People who read the book are are going, what? I, does, is that right? I don't know if that all is right. That's all right. <laughs> I, okay, so Eric features a lot in this book, just like he did in the last book. And I would just like to remind the listeners and ourselves that Eric King is named Eric King because some kid on the message board said, hey, can you put my name in your book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is now a fairly major recurring character. Yeah. <laughs> a very important part of the Animorphs lore is just named after some guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, can you imagine being this guy? <laughs> like at the time it was like, oh, that's cute. She he got a cameo for this weird robot book. That's kind of fun. Now it's like I don't this is this is a huge character. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is yeah, th- I mean, this, this is, is our, what, our third Eric book in a row now? Yes, he's clearly, at this point, he seems like he's more or less a mainstay of the plots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's what, a, what a ride, what a trip for that p- person. Yeah, and no. here it, he is. It's crazy. It's I One thing I think really helps with this beginning of this book is the fact that we had our massive... Um, Eric book where he was just with the cast the whole time last book because um you know you say he features heavily but mostly he's just around for this section at the mall uh, after this he's more in the background like he normally would true be. um it's, but he is he features heavily in the what the plot is yes. but not literally himself <laughs> yeah um but this part really works like I I think there's there's decent uh chemistry between Eric and the rest of the cast when he's talking with them or throwing out snarky comments or them helping him and uh, to me that does feel somewhat built on the fact that we now have some history of him actually interacting with them and not just showing up at school and saying hey go take out the yerk laser I only slightly disagree. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> only only in that I didn't really feel that this Eric during this whole exchange there's a bunch of like sarcastic funny back and forths between them all and mm-hmm. I didn't I never really thought of Eric as being a snarky sarcastic character and he he really throws out a bunch of like, well, gee, did you think kind of stuff here? And I I don't remember him ever doing that before. Is it he's like a robot that was programmed to be nice and happy. It just didn't seem quite fitting for him. That is fair. I mean, he's clearly in a bad mood because he's locking up and he doesn't know why. And uh maybe he respects them less after he was on Escort Planet with them. <laughs> yeah, you could, you know, you could try to uh, surmise that he's been exposed just like Axe, he's been spending more time as a human and some of it's rubbing off on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but but he already spent fucking 5,000 years as a human. <laughs> yeah, right. That's you make a great point. Uh, right. I always forget that because it's weird. Uh, but okay, it's it's fine. I would just like to say, b- as soon as they said he was all frozen up, the first thing I thought of was, oil can, oil can. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Cassie or somebody makes a joke yep. about that. And so I, but I thought of it first. Good job. You beat Cassie. Now, if you'd beaten Marco, <laughs> that would have been something to brag about, but. Well, 
It seems pretty easy to get in ahead of Cassie on the joke. I, Marco's the master. <laughs> I, I can never attempt that. <laughs> when did this? When does this freezing? So this just happens like Eric's just out and it's just a boom. Every, yeah, he, all the they're all frozen. Yeah, they're just out and about doing their thing, and then they're like, "Oh shit, I can't move too good." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that tracks. <clears throat> uh. <laughs> this Spencer's clerk. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah, this means the Spencer's in general. There's a lot of mall business here. Yeah, there is a lot of mall business here. Um, the Spencer's, you know, one of those stores when you are a kid and you're the age when you read Animorphs, it's like the coolest store in the world. And then when you're in your 30s, it's like the most horrible thing to even be near, and you hate it. Um, I never enjoyed Spencer's gifts. Interesting, because I always this, thought, I was like, oh, look at all the neat stuff, haha. Ha. A lot of it's like, it's like you're not supposed to say that or whatever. Maybe this is part of me growing up as a sheltered kid mm-hmm. who was like, never, you know, say no to drugs all the time and shit. But I, I just, I go near a Spencer's and I just feel like there's an aura of, it's like going to a seedy motel. It's like, I don't know, it feels like maybe there's cum all over the place in there. It just has a gross smell. Like it just everything's. It's not neat or clean. I feel like sketchy, weird perverts are going to be in there. I just don't. It just feels like a place I don't want to be in. I don't know. That was the part about it that I liked. It's yeah, like, I whoa, think, it's like, it's yeah. like for, you're not supposed to, it's for, you know what I mean? You're exactly the sketchy weirdo children. I wanted to avoid. <laughs> I was, Yeah. It's, it's like going into a sex shop almost like it's it's like ugh, i don't know there's something just yeah, but like when you were a kid weren't you all heavier. like weren't you as a kid like yeah but you're not supposed to go in a sex shop so like i could get away with getting in it you never I felt mean, like that i i mean a, a little bit i think but I'll, i think for me that was more what hot topic was <laughs> that's pretty lame that was more my speed. That's not lame at no point in my life did i ever think of hot topic as like the forbidden place well, listen, when I was a kid, you used to be able to get um, Jordan Vasquez comics at Hot Topic. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Vasquez head. And like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is, you know, it was real adult kind of shit. And that for me, that was like the, that was as risque as I got. So I mean, sure, that's like edgy and fun because of it. But it's not like, a, oh, I'm not allowed to have this kind of thing. I, 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 my mom would have got mad. I had to hide those comics mm. from her. <laughs> There's a lot of like dismemberment in them. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't matter. The animorphs have clearly have no problem at all with Spencer's gifts. And they also don't mention any of the weird sex shit on the shelves. That yeah, no, they up. don't. They don't do any of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> the clerk also is someone that I understand a lot better as an adult than a child because. When I read this scene as a kid, it was like, uh-oh, the clerk from Spencer's Gifts is going to show up. That's like an adult who, like, is in charge of the store. They have, like, authority and, like, they're in trouble. And now as an adult, I'm just like, this is some fucking, like, 17-year-old who, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I do not respect this person at all. I Like, honestly, I'm I'm looking at this, this employee hassling them and I'm like, 
the only reason he cares is because Cassie starts doing some spiel about selling Eric, you know, it's like, oh, this is the new, uh, <laughs> the kitchen droid from KTEL to, to cover for it. And it's like, you got to go up and be like, listen, kid, you can't do that here. Just, just leave. Christ almighty. <laughs> Which is really, I don't know if this is the time it took place in or if it's just dumb kids book logic, but I don't think anyone would actually give a shit about this robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would, just, they would just leave it alone. Yeah, I mean, like I, I could see the idea of Cassie. I'm, I am imagining this as Cassie caused all the problems, right? Someone else was in the store and kind of glanced over, and Cassie's like, "Oh yeah, that's a cool robot. Let me tell you about it." Ha ha ha! Because she, she's nervous, and now all <laughs> of a guess... sudden she's drawing crowds, and now the clerk has to come up and be like, "Stop." <laughs> yeah, we we have to remember that this is a time when malls actually were crowded. Yes, people were here. Yes, so I, I suppose that's true. There could have been a lot of folks rum, rummaging about. Yeah. Uh, right. They do knock this clerk out 100%. That was completely unnecessary. <laughs> By, yes, he knocks him unconscious, and then there's a part where they're like, we made sure he was still breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a chance that he maybe wasn't, <laughs> that's, but that's fine. It's Just okay. another casualty of war. It's fine. He, 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 he gets up and he's fine. He does an interview on TV later in the book. <laughs> right. That's uh, right. The Marco here is walking around as a gorilla in the mall. Uh, he is yeah. wearing a um, hastily made like sandwich board style sign that says King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> people buy it <laughs> how, how far we have come from we must be very careful with our powers never use them in front of people to jake and marco just casually hey it's me and a gorilla <laughs> i like daylight i like when marco shows up and the uh, and the uh, the spencer's guys like suspiciously he's like that's a pretty realistic gorilla suit like, he's not standing there like, holy shit, is that thing real? Is that a fucking real gorilla? No, I don't believe you. He's like, I think you kids might be trying to sneak a real gorilla in my store. <laughs> yeah, I could never. There's no gorilla suit on Earth that looks no. half as realistic as a real gorilla. No. <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely crazy yeah, to like think. Yeah, like, you... You could get someone to panic and think a fake gorilla suit was real. You are not passing off a real gorilla as fake. <laughs> no, it's like you, you can't. You're not. It's never. Yeah. Uh, but they do. <laughs> they, do <laughs> they do, and it's fine. And we also have a little bit of Rachel leadership moments here. A little, like, mm. through line of um, Rachel's making, like, her decision, temporary decisions till Jake gets there. Um and uh, there's, like, a bit where she feels, like, kind of resentful, but also kind of relieved when Jake takes over for her. So, I don't know. There there does seem to be kind of a little teeny hint of a through line about Rachel having some mm. issues with leadership. Well, this is her domain. She has mall knowledge. That's true. This is her domain. This is when you defer to Rachel, just like you defer to Marco when you're at the joke shop. <laughs> Right. When you're in Spencer's, you defer to Marco. <laughs> yeah, right. And when you're, you know, with Cassie, it's when you're knee deep in a goose. Ew. I don't know. <laughs> or I should have said elbow deep. 
<laughs> that's what it. That's what it is. Speaking of ew, uh-huh. I, I'm hoping you have this note in here. Uh, yeah. 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 There's a whole bit about um Rachel having bought when she's buying clothes for Eric uh to disguise him, she also buys uh him underwear, designer underwear, and Cassie points out that Eric does not need it. And Rachel thinks to herself that maybe she will give it to Jake. And uh I don't I didn't like this part. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of this bit. Her, yes, Rachel's immediate thought is, oh, well, Jake could wear that underwear. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I liked it. What's wrong with I'm it? Not, I'm not so sure that I, I think like it's it. cute that the cousins are close and they're thinking mm. of each other like that. It's just nice. <laughs> nice cousin stuff. Rachel and Jake on the Thanksgiving cousin walk. <laughs> I, don't, what, I don't know what that is. What's that? There's like a the meme going around on Twitter about the cousin walk. Oh, I do know what this is. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I was picturing like a like a walk for Alzheimer's, but it's like for mm. cousins on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you get it. <laughs> anyway, they fuck is what happens. They fuck is um, what happens. We also get a name drop of Clinton. Like last yes. time we talked about the president, he was just the president. But here they say oh. Clinton. Oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Huh. That feels like a very... It's funny how in a lot of universes and movies and stuff, they'll talk about... There, there's always like a cutoff point of where real history ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and usually it's like four years before the movie started. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they won't want to talk about the current president for whatever reason. Probably because they won't want to cast him. <laughs> but... <laughs> But then they're like, oh, yeah, of course. You remember George Bush or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Or like when yeah. we're talking about the current president, uh, you know, we can't say the name. But when we're talking about the silly mask of Bill Clinton, then we just say Bill Clint- silly Bill Clinton now, mask. Let's be let's be fair here. Uh, they don't actually say Bill Clinton. They just say Clinton. Hmm. <laughs> I, maybe later they might say Bill Clinton at some point. No, they do say Bill Clinton at some ah, point. But, ah, yeah. damn. I thought maybe it could be George Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary. Yeah. Hey, the, right. If it were written today, it would be a Chelsea. Hillary mask. Nobody wants a Bill Clinton mask today. That's uh, true. Every, everybody's clamoring for the Hillary's, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex Jones is going to put one on, put on some demon horns and do a rant. Let's not get too political on this podcast, please. <laughs> okay. Rain Might be in. too late for that. Rain it in. This is a series about fun kids turning into animals, and that's it. Yeah. And and Rachel wanting to thinking about <laughs> Jake's crotch. Uh, yeah, you didn't have to. I was. I should have let me. She's cut thinking you off about there. it. She is. So thinking about they it. take a bus back to uh, Eric's house. Um, you know, Marco is just carrying Eric back on the bus. Um, but fortunately, they are the only people on the bus, and the bus driver doesn't really seem to notice or care, and also no security people stop them leaving the mall, and also all the surveillance cameras at the mall apparently went dead while they were in there, and basically they're very suspicious about how they didn't get caught here. Um, but they get to Eric's house, and they find all the chi are malfunctioning. It's not just Eric, they're all malfunctioning, they're all just frozen robots no hologram no nothing they can still talk and they can still communicate uh, via chi net um so 
they are told the only way this could have happened is if someone disabled them via the Pemalite ship. Um, the ancient Pemalite ship that arrived here is hidden in an ocean canyon 15,000 feet under the sea. Um, and there are two chi who are going to be discovered soon. So the first one is a janitor in a nuclear research facility who will be discovered at the shift change at 10 p.m. tonight. So they have until 10 p.m. tonight to fix this issue. Um, and the second one is a homeless chi named Lord? <laughs> Lordis? You're the French Lords? guy. You'll have to tell me. Oh, no. no, it's not. Is there an S? Yeah, L-O-U-R-D-E-S. Yeah, I don't know. Lords? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a real name. I don't think it's real. I never real. took French. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is not a name I ever came across in my like six or seven years of French. So, and going to France, I've never heard anyone named Lord with an S. Well, so, uh, Lords. Uh, the S wouldn't be pronounced, I guess, if it's Lord. French. Okay. I assume it's French. I don't think it's a name. <laughs> I don't think it's anything. <laughs> Lords is a homeless chi, uh, and she or she is playing a homeless person, and she is in an abandoned building uh, spying on a criminal controller whose name is Strike. <laughs> Any comments S- on Strike? <laughs> Strike. S T R A K E. Strike. Yes. So Lords and not not Mister Strike. No. They don't. There's no indication if this is his first or last name. His name is simply Strike. This is a Batman Beyond villain. <laughs> now wait, is this? Are these their chi names or their? They Strake, do they have chi names? Uh, they should have chi names. They're remember all the chi were named like chi whatever. I think Lord. I think Lords is her human name. Terrible. Because <laughs> otherwise, uh, she'd be chi lords. Uh, this is a so lords is a town in southwestern France. And it was popularized as a given name. Uh, also looks like it could be a Spanish name. Uh, it's a town where the Virgin Mary reportedly appeared to a young girl in 1858. <laughs> That's a very shitty thing to have be your claim to fame. So uh, it's a name. Now, if I search for Strake, you think that's going to give me anything? <laughs> Anglo-Saxon origin derived from the word strike, which means stripe. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Is it a name? According to Google, it is a name. All right. Well, the police are going to raid Strake's building in 20 minutes, and there are controllers with the cops. Uh, So, And additionally, they find out that the Pemalite ship signal has been picked up by the Yerks, and the Yerks are going to be trying to find it and might get there first. So... Uh, 20 minutes to extract lords from a major shootout, about nine hours to find the ship 15,000 feet underwater and do something about it. And also there's Yerks. So that's the, the plot of this book. The Chi are weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, what? Expand. Why do they? So they, okay. So they have this ship at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. We've never heard about this before. This is a spaceship or it's a underwater ship. I actually still am not sure. It's this it's the when the Pemalites came here through space, their ship landed here and the Chi hit it in the ocean. Okay. They have cloaking technology and hologram technology. Yeah. 
But this they decided, let's put it in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> they have an underground bunker that's like a million miles big, but let's put our ship in the ocean. I mean, the the this is pretty unreachable as a place. Okay, but it seems like it's also pretty unreachable for them. <laughs> like, it's hard well, to, like, they can get to it, but it's far away. We're going to find out later that it's not that hard for them to get to if they can move. I, yeah, I, I guess. And also, yeah, and also, okay, so we don't, so, okay, so yeah, so this, the ship also can control all of them? The Why ship does the ship exist? The ship <laughs> is, is, it's like the central, like, chi server network. So, like, it's all their the operations mothership. run through it, yeah. Like, the chi net is run through its servers, and the, I guess they it, it can, in fact, control all of their operations, or something. I just it just seems like they should have a backup server or something. There should be a way to remote access the control functions of this ship. It does how could they these are the most advanced androids advanced technology maybe in the galaxy certainly You're talking on about Earth. some pretty advanced concepts here like you're you're asking a lot from a sci-fi writer in only the 90s and we didn't know about things like remote access back in the 90s how could you possibly <laughs> have understood and and uh, written such a thing it was we needed that 2000 switch you got to wait yeah. 10 more months <laughs> and then it's like oh it's the future now that's right. I mean, that is when it became the future in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I just—it's a lot. There's a lot here. I don't know. It's—it is what it is, as they say. Yeah. Uh, one thing about this is, um, here's the thing about the whole thing being suspicious, like how they weren't caught, no video cameras, whatever. Yeah. If they hadn't made a point of saying it was suspicious. If they had just said, yep, we walked in there as a gorilla and carried him out and no one noticed, they just thought I was in a gorilla suit, I don't think that would have been their least believable escape. (laughs) I think they've been more obvious than that and not gotten caught for no reason before. Agreed. And to that point, uh, later on, there's a thing that happens that they're like, this is way too big a coincidence. Something's got to be going on. And I was like, no, I fully believe that that just would happen. (laughs) Like, that's a... The weird, dumber things have happened in this book that nobody orchestrated. <laughs> Why wouldn't that happen? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't even remember. What was I thinking at this part? I think I thought, oh, the Yerks turned off the cameras so they could fight the Animorphs in public or something. But then nothing happens. So I just kind of moved on and was not sure what why this occurred. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put this whole thing out here. And they'll do it later, too, where they're getting suspicious again, where they're kind of like, was it the Yerks? But no, that doesn't make sense. And the way you they that you read it, you're like, okay, the author definitely wants you to think that that's true. Like, even if they don't have a point, you're supposed to think they somehow do. So it's definitely not the Yerks. And then later, they're like, well, maybe it was the Elemis. No, it's not his style. I don't know that it's not his style, but they seem convinced, and it's done in a way where you're supposed to be convinced, too. So it's something else, and... and I don't know. And at a certain point, you do just kind of, you're like, okay, well, I've run out of things that it is, so fuck it. They'll tell me eventually, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I feel like this has happened 
several times before s- similar things in these books where they'll give kind of a clue, but th- the, there's just so much weird shit going on, and the books are so brief, relatively speaking, that there's not there's no time to dwell on it and be like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder what's going on. It's just like, well, we got to go in the fucking ocean and get a squid. Like, I <laughs> there's just too much happening. I can't. Yeah. I don't have time to process. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm undergoing like a, a large scale version of that right now with the podcast because I have to spend a week on each book and not like an hour or two uh, in, in the reread. So because uh, <laughs> it gets even more it gets even more condensed when you're just like, oh, I'll read a couple of these. Right. Well, maybe this is a thing where it's more for as a kid, mm-hmm. I probably would have read like a few chapters maybe and then done something else that day. And then I would have been like at the playground thinking about, oh, I wonder what was up with those security cameras. That's maybe, true. Reading right? these like, in elementary school. Yeah. You're not just kind of blowing through them. Yeah. Like he's probably at least you're probably reading at least a few days, maybe over a week. Um unless you're unless you're i guess you could be an animorphs freak and you're just trying to devour it and then maybe you'd read it in a day or two but yeah i mean maybe that's once, the idea once harry potter has conditioned you to read 300 pages in a day so that you can have read it the day it came out or whatever <laughs> now it's easy right. but until that happens you're probably on the couple chapters bit hey harry potter you had like two years before animorphs it was like 30 days clocks ticking read it yeah it's your two hour clock uh, That's right. So they have to go and get um, lords from Strake's uh, abandoned building, which is like now a crack house, basically. Well, um, we, well, we must point out they cannot ask them to do that. Oh yes, they 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 can say, you know, <laughs> oh here's a really important thing, and it'll be really really terrible if you don't do it, and it'll be a disaster <laughs> for everyone. But we're not asking you. You have to make pretty, your own choice. I want to say Eric has definitely straight up asked them to do dangerous shit before, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he probably has. Anyway, uh, don't ask them to do this. They show up to this crack house. Uh, they're like, okay, in and out really big and fast. You know, Jake's like a rhino instead of a tiger and, and Rachel's an elephant. Um they bust in, the police are already here, and chaos erupts, right? Uh, Strake is, like, shooting off guns, the police are shooting, Rachel's pulling down the house, right? Um, Cassie gets, like, shot in the spine and paralyzed, Marco gets stabbed in the neck, Jake accidentally runs outside and gets surrounded by cops, whatever, chaos. Um, <laughs> Rachel gets shot in the face a bunch, she beats up Strake. And she gets shot in the face a bunch, so now she's losing blood, too. Uh, they find lords. They're, like, trying to carry her out. There's a standoff with some controllers. Uh, and Axe saves the day by showing up as a skunk to turn the tide, which I'm sure you loved. Um, <laughs> they manage to get out before Cassie's mom and animal control show up, and they hide lords in a junkyard. <laughs> It's just a big chaotic action scene, um, but I, it I happens mean, to take place in a crack house. Yeah, yeah, it isn't just a big chaotic yes. action scene. Yes, <laughs> this this is you. This takes place in a fucking drug den. Yes, no, the, it is this very explicit. There are a lot of descriptions, like the really explicit descriptions of these people as drug addicts. Well, like, uh, fucked yeah, up. I, 
Yes, there is mattresses that, quote, reeked of stale pee and barf. Mm. And there's a guy who she refers to as too stoned to even move. Mm -hmm. Now, stoned to me implies just weed, right? You wouldn't use stoned to characterize any other drug, would you? I wouldn't, but maybe an older person would, and certainly someone who is trying to get around sensors might. I mean, yeah, even that I'm like surprised to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it would be very much more, much less obvious yeah. references. But, and I mean, that guy's on opiates, not crack. I'm using that just mm. as a catch all, just so right. the viewers. Sure. Know, <laughs> sure. 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 Uh, there's also, there's a police raid. Mm-hmm. And I, this, I, I feel like this run in with normal human cops is more deadly than any encounter they've ever had with the Yerks. I mean, there is straight up gunshot violence. Rachel gets shot in the face as an elephant and like half of them are dying or dead and stabbed. And like this is you could not film this and say this is for children. I mean, listen, who who do you think is more brutal? If you had to guess Uh, the American police or the (laughs) Yerks, this are three. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. I don't want to get political, but you're right. Uh, but it is, is just crazy to to the the way this book just kind of zigzags from silly fantasy to mm-hmm. just a just a realist. I mean, it's realistic except for the fact that they're animals. But other than that, it's it's just gun violence in a crack house. Yeah, <laughs> like this yeah. is we so wild. Yeah, I mean, like, you, that, I mean, there's, it's not unrealistic to be all like, here are a whole bunch of homeless drug addicts, and there's one violent criminal, so the SWAT team busts in and shoots all of them to death. Like, this is not that off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If if it were modern, we'd see them all doing the, like, fentanyl slump, but, um... (laughs) But, I mean, one thing that I did notice about this is that they did seem to be kind of going out of their way to not be too to like try to remind you that that the cops weren't the bad guys right like there's bits here where rachel is like looking at people and saying like oh he wasn't wearing a uniform before she throws him away or hits him or whatever um Mm. you know what i mean Uh, i didn't pick up on that but yeah i don't know maybe i'm reading into it because i wanted it to say the cops were bad but uh i mean i I feel like they they weren't really uh, they they aren't at least explicit about like I knew that this was just a controller so he, otherwise he would have been saving the day <laughs> it wasn't like that but mm-hmm. yeah I mean I do think that Rachel is the kind of person to think that the cops are the good guys but I also think that she's the kind of person to kill them anyway if they're shooting at her <laughs> there is a I think I have a note for later there's something later in this book that was sort of a something along those lines about, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was this. I guess it was this part is what I'm thinking of. Oh, that's right. It was what we're talking about now. Just the her being like, oh, this guy was too stoned to move or whatever. Feels like, uh, it feels like the character not explicitly saying it, but implying that, oh, hey, kids, drugs are for losers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a little bit, which maybe Rachel does think drugs are for losers. I don't know. Oh, she a hundred percent does. Um, yeah, yeah. There is uh, something about the framing of this, and it's hard for me to put my finger on it. Uh, but it it does feel 
you know, because Rachel does talk about like, oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Axe to see this because, you know, like we've already lost the battle here or whatever. But something in the framing makes it seem more like, oh, crime took over this bad neighborhood and not like we failed this bad neighborhood and that's why crime's here. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the idea is that these drug dealers here are the bad guys and not a symptom of the actual bad issue, which is that we're not taking care of people properly. Um, and some of that you could say is Rachel for sure, um, because um, Rachel's the kind of person to just say, like, I need a bad guy. I need somebody who I can hit. Um, but I don't know. I, I wonder if some of that is also just like a, a more old school thought process when it comes to sure. That kind of thing. I actually think all things considered, it's fairly it's written fairly neutrally. It yes. doesn't it doesn't really paint and if anything, the cops are the antagonists. I mean, they're literally fighting them mm-hmm. <laughs> and being shot at by them. And it doesn't impl- Im- implicitly or explicitly uh, frame the the druggies as bad guys. Like it, it kind of yeah. does. Like they refer to them as criminals and stuff, but they're not like doing anything real bad to them. <laughs> Well, yeah. they are also being shot by the bad guys. They're being shot by the cops mm. and the, or I should I say the bad guys. They're being shot by the <laughs> by the druggies and they're also being shot by the cops. Yeah, and no, I I do agree. It's written pretty neutrally, especially considering this is a kids book where you would expect it to be very much like the cops have to yeah. save the day. Um, you know, I'm just being nitpicky because I I want it to be uh, anti-cop right. propaganda personally. Well, maybe you could you could argue that the fact that it's neutral is like mm-hmm. the fact that they're not taking a stance yeah. means that you're you're kind of assuming something about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean like I I think there are hints there where where you do see like okay, they're both getting shot at but it makes a bigger deal about it when the druggies shoot at them or like you don't really see them attacking the cops even though they they must sort of do it, but you do see them attacking the druggies, but it's all very subtle and not the sort of thing that's like it just spells out some message toward you. Yeah. Weird scene. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird. Why? Like, why? why? <clears throat> Who? What is this exactly? You know, like, why did they decide? Were they trying to educate kids about the homeless drug addicted community? Like, why? This could have taken place anywhere. <laughs> it's a really weird choice. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I wonder how much is K.A. Applegate and how much is this lady who wrote all those books about, like, horrific familial trauma later on? Yeah. Might Who have been knows? that, and how, and and why would the <clears throat> publisher just be like, yeah, yeah, sure? Well, but it. the publishers never read a single Animorphs <laughs> book to censor anything graphic in it. That's true. That's true. Now, I actually, you know, at first I didn't like the skunk, mm-hmm. but when it came back again, I did think, you know, I it it makes sense. People, even with guns. People would recoil and run away from yeah. a skunk actively spraying them. I, I do also think people would be more likely, like if you had a gun and uh, a tiger was running at you, you'd probably shoot that damn thing. But if you had a gun and a skunk was getting ready to spray you, you probably wouldn't shoot the skunk. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here now thinking the military should be using smell warfare. <laughs> Because that's also that's a morale deterrent. If all their the enemy troops smell like shit, that's like they gotta live with that now. They're feeling bad. I, I think this is the next wave of 
we're I think, fair. Uh, I think uh, Sokka had this idea in Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I, I think, think it's an original idea by me. Sokka are on the same wavelength, maybe. Well, Sokka is pretty much the Marco of Avatar, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then, of course, uh, they run away and the Yerks manage to lose a four-ton elephant. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, the they manage to get away and and they evade and Rachel demorphs and it's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. They they got it. They it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Not uh, but now they got to get uh to this ship. And uh so they're trying to figure out what animal could possibly live 15,000 feet down because there's too much pressure down there. There, There's no access. Uh, Cassie eventually comes up with the idea of a squid, uh, and she manages to tell that to the others after a bunch of bullshit where they talk over her for a while. Um, <laughs> so, but there's no squids in, in captivity, and they're like, well, maybe we could get a sperm whale, which don't quite dive deep enough, but they eat the squid if we could morph a sperm whale. But there's no sperm whales in captivity either, so they're, they're SOL. Um, <clears throat> Rachel goes home. Uh, we get some scenes with her family where Jordan and Sarah are fighting, which are pretty good. Um, you know, <laughs> she's eating dinner and watching TV when a news story comes on that says a sperm whale has beached itself. Um, uh oh, what a coincidence that is. So they all get together, um, and, uh, to, to go out and acquire this sperm whale. And they also know that apparently the sharing is sending volunteers out. So the sharing is like clearly looking for Andalites. I guess maybe this is the point where I can ask, cause how much do the Yerks know about the Chi? It should be nothing. At this point. <laughs> okay. The Yerks don't know anything at this point. However, they... In the crack house fight, doesn't one of them say, give me the android? Or something like that? Mm, so they do... Okay, that's true. So at this point... So at this point, the Yerks have seen that the Andalites are fighting over some kind of android. And they've received a signal from a an advanced spaceship that's really far underwater. And presumably that's all they know. Unless you can remind me of something else. No, I I thought they, they ne- didn't know they were here at all, but mm-hmm. th- the, their actions, even regarding the whale, it's like, oh, they're just there because they think the Andalites will come, or maybe they think the, the whale is an Andalite. But it kind of seems like as the book goes on, they're aware of this ship and trying to... To yeah. get to it. I mean, they did receive the signal. They said earlier the Yerks would have picked up on the signal coming from the ship and would be looking for it. Okay. Okay. I don't necessarily know that they know what it is, though, other than it's probably very obviously highly advanced. All right. I, I missed that detail, so I could I could buy that, I guess. Yeah. So in that sense, it does – I mean, it doesn't make sense that Visser 3 would know enough to organize this. But it does make sense that they would have been like, oh, there's a signal coming from deep underwater <laughs> – there's a sperm whale. Sperm whales go deep underwater. I bet those Andalites will try to get it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, these these kids are pretty stupid. I <laughs> I don't I didn't love the banter in this. <laughs> I I like Rachel's sisters. It's the Animorphs themselves yeah. that I was like, "All right, shut the fuck up all of you." <laughs> <laughs> they have all 
What are all these the jokes about? That, about I don't even remember anymore, but they annoyed me. <laughs> 20,000 20, Leagues Under the Sea oh, with the different names and right. squid being calamari and escargot. Oh, yeah. And- yes. What's calamari? Oh, it means that that was that felt like mm. Disney Channel now, just boring. <laughs> I should point something out here. Serapedia uh, lists as a goof that Tobias Uh-oh. says that calamari is octopus, but he's just wrong. It should be squid. I don't think this is a goof. I think Tobias uh, just got it wrong, and he was acting like a smug, pedantic asshole because he thought he was right, but he was just wrong. It makes him yeah. look even shittier. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... Yeah, I agree. That's not a goof. Yeah, no, that's not a goof. He's just Seropedia, like that. fuck off. <laughs> fuck yourself. Uh, this is, you know, this is one of those scenes where you go, boy, it's too bad they don't have smartphones and they can't just Google animals that go underwater good. Yeah. Where are they? Angler fish. (laughs) This is, but the real important thing that I need to figure out here during Rachel's family dinner, they have Mm. burritos for dinner. Yeah. Now this is 1999. Mexican food is, oh, you know what? This is the West Coast, so I suppose maybe it's different out there. For me mm. growing up the East Coast, there was like the, the Taco Bell here and there, but I don't think we had Chipotle yet. I'm wondering, like, did, did so Rachel's either. mom make these burritos? There's they... no way. Her mom never makes food. So I guess I guess I'm not, I'm not use, I'm using an East Coast bias here, and in California there must have been burrito places in, in the 90s. That That, I guess so. Yeah, because a lot of the places that I would think of, yeah, I, I think you're right. Back in, in the 90s for me, Mexican food was much more of like a, ooh, that's like exotic. That's like, right. there's like Taco <laughs> Bell, and then there's real Mexican food, which is like hard to find. Yeah, yeah. I or, think. Yeah, like there's, there's certainly, like I think we, I probably had new, like, you know, you had Taco Night or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bur- I feel like bur- I didn't know what a burrito was until 2017. Yeah, you can't just, like, DoorDash Plaza Azteca or whatever. Okay. Don't what? show off I'm your, fancy, uh, your fancy names. Uh, that's just the closest place to me. I think of it as DoorDash. shit. Anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know. What else? What else happens in this? Like I said, I, I immediately was like, I thought this whale was the Elemist, like, as you said before. I, yeah. It sure seems like the Elemist to me. It sure does. And then they're like, oh, that's not his style. And it's like, okay. Sure, if you say so, if that's <laughs> and I what you would want. Argue that later on in the book, there's evidence almost to, to the contrary that it is exactly his style. <laughs> yes, I think you're right about that. Um, I, I really do enjoy uh, the scene at Rachel's house. I think every time we see Jordan and Sarah, it's great. Um, I like Jordan and Sarah arguing over the TV. I like when Jordan wins the argument and smirks at Sarah, and Sarah says, "You're ugly when you do that." Um, they're good. They're good characters. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was funny when she said you're ugly. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Um, there's also another Rachel Jake conflict um, here where mm-hmm. Rachel says, oh, yeah, this is a suicide mission. And Jake kind of gets pissed at her. He's like, listen, we're not going to do it if it's suicide. So th- don't like say random shit like that. Like we're all fucked or whatever. And Rachel's like, oh, what? I'm like. You know, fuck you. I guess I'll just sit and follow orders like a whatever good little girl or whatever. And and she's like, mm, don't make it raging sexual. to herself. Like I'm, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to be afraid. It's bad that I'm afraid. 
I feel like Jake had the right idea here, because I think that Rachel still would do it if it was a suicide mission. Like, Rachel would absolutely be like, suicide mission, I'm in. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I... I mean, in most of these situations, and there is there's another point of Jake Rachel conflict coming up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I think generally Jake. I mean, <laughs> clearly he is more reasonable and rational, and should be making the group decisions and yes. not Rachel. Uh, but I also we have seen we feel that you know Ra- Jake's kind of learning to manipulate Rachel mm-hmm. too. Honestly, he's a little bit. Kind of a hypocrite, I think, because he's like, oh, Rachel, don't you're being too like, you know, reckless. But when I want you to be, that's then it's good. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's a reasonable read. Uh, Yeah. And a lot of these scenes here, Jake does kind of come off as the bad guy. But I think a lot of that is that it's from Rachel's perspective. Mm. Yeah, it was really the, the part in the next section that was like, whoa. Damn, Jake's pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but next section. I mean, let's just, let's get there. Um, they go out yeah. to get this whale. Um, the idea is they're going to go straight to the whale. They're going to get get the whale, get the squid, go squ- straight there, because they do not have time. Uh, you know, 10 o'clock is closing fast. Um, Eric has given them access codes to the ship's computer, uh, access code being six. Funny joke. <laughs> Uh, so they don't want to all expose themselves to the sharing yurks, you know, so they draw straws to see who will go in and get the whale. Um, Rachel makes Tobias cheat. So, cause he can see which straw is the short one. Uh, and she wants to go and get the whale. So she makes Tobias cheat for her. And so Tobias is like, oh, I'm also in on this. And he also cheats. So Tobias and Rachel are going to acquire the whale. Um, and after they do this, Jake pulls Rachel aside and he, like you said, he's fucking pissed. He's like, now Tobias is going to have to do this too, because of you don't fucking do that again. Um, so yeah, so they go down and acquire the whale. Uh, and, uh, there's like a bit where Tobias gets his talon stuck and Rachel has to knock him free in seagull morph. Um, but they acquire the whale and they go out as seagulls. So yeah, let's talk about the Jake scene. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real, uh. It's much heavier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, well, the, the fact that he can tell, too, mm-hmm. like he knows that she she used Tobias. They should go to the casino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just position Tobias in a window right outside where you can see the player's hands. Yeah. Actually, I, yeah, oh, I guess... Well, I guess he could just turn into a fly or... Well, no, because you need the good vision. Why aren't they going to casinos? This is This could be a whole thing. This, anyway, you're you're thinking like Marco now. I'm thinking like David a little bit. <laughs> yeah, kind of both of them. You're thinking like Marco now. <laughs> David wants to rob banks. Marco just wants to cheat a little bit at poker. It's all it's different. Yeah, it's you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's different. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it it really it kind of comes out of nowhere. At least uh, I didn't expect it to, mm-hmm. to to happen, and it's a little bit. There's not a resolution to this tension between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of it's just this little explosion of a fight, and then we move on. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't really know what to do with it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. what I, do I do with it? I do think it's a good moment for that. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe you don't do anything with it. Maybe there's just kind of a a tension there with the. Uh, but but yes, it is true. It, it is meaningful that Jake can like just can tell 
that that's what happened and he knows he, he knows his people well enough to know that's what right. happened he he knows to pull rachel aside and yell at her uh <laughs> he knows that that the way he's yelling is going to have some kind of impact um yeah and and he does it um he, he goes about it well too he's not just like how dare you not listen to me he's like tobias is now in on this like you dragged him in here and it's your fault and you remember that but isn't what are we really I, again Okay, I guess you got the high ground here, Jake. For but you were just gonna make two random people get into it that might have still been Rachel or Tobias. Like, mm. like, why is it? Like, it's not like oh, poor Tobias. We were gonna spare him. Yeah, somebody was gonna risk their life. It was one of five people. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, clearly, what Jake is actually mad about is that he was all like, "This should." You know, there should be some of these processes should be randomized, like not everybody, like we should be going in and saying like, okay, you know, luck of the draw and Rachel is cheating it. And that's clearly what he's yeah. actually mad about. Um, yeah. And I, and so I guess he more says the stuff about Tobias because he just wants her to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that is part of it. I think, you know, you could say like, well, it could have been. It could have been Tobias, but also it didn't. Uh, it didn't have to be. But because you decided it had to be you, well, then it had to be Tobias. So there's something there. But yes, I do think Jake is is not necessarily saying what he's actually mad about. He's just trying to get Rachel to listen. He probably really wanted it to be Tobias and Marco, hoping that they would get killed and he'd have Rachel all to himself. <laughs> Whoa, that's that's his plan. <laughs> Jake's kind of a cold-hearted bastard. Yeah, he really, really, really is. I also, I do want to quickly just mention, because we moved past it, but there was a sentence uh, from the last segment that I liked where they're trying to figure out, oh, who's responsible for this whale? Is it the Elemist? Uh, who's jerking us around? And Rachel says, we'd see who jerked who. Hmm. So I just wanted to highlight that. Okay, that's a line, all right, I guess. Because I think it should be whom. Yes, it should be. We'll yeah. see whom jerked who. <laughs> right. I like anyway, the... back. To... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just yeah, saying no. that I liked the part where Tom was like, is anyone here a marine biologist? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the sea was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> like, uh, no, hold on. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yep. I'm old. Like an old Andalite trying to send back cinnamon buns at the Cinnabon. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> Except they'd never do that. Uh, never, an Andalite would never do that. So oh, that, I guess that's true. But Trying to uh, take, I don't know, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, also, this is, so we're setting up a Rachel Tobias moment. Mm-hmm. Which I just want to point out at a little past the halfway point of the book, I don't think they have said a word to each other. <laughs> For all the business up front about them officially being an unofficial item now, I think they haven't even had a conversation yet. <laughs> just whatever. They're just not good at talking, okay? They just, they don't know how to do it. They're bad. I mean, even in this setup for this moment, I do appreciate how Rachel is just pissed off at Tobias. 
Like the whole time she's like, yeah, later on, I would think it was sweet. But right now it's just like, how fucking dare he make me feel guilty about this? What a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I wish it, I wish there was more of it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, got to have more yelling at each other. Listen, they, they have to spend time um, tearing down uh, crack houses and um, morphing gorillas to pull bill clinton out of the mall they don't have time for conversations (laughs) that's true there's also a great uh i love that they turned grump into a verb and it says oh great tobias grumped oh i didn't even (laughs) notice that i like that (laughs) he grumps (laughs) he grumps i love grumping yeah good grumping yeah anna grumps anna grumps uh rachel and tobias uh, so they have their moment. They they both morph sperm whale. You know, they've all flown out to the ocean. They morph sperm whale while the others hang around as dolphins on the surface. Um, and they start diving. There are a lot of long sequences where they're like, oh, in the pitch black deep. And, um, you know, they talk about how like squids are, are going to fight back. They're not easy prey. And um, so it's, it's like a spooky bit, I guess. Um, and sure. there, there's also some bits about how, like, you know, if they can't demorph down here, if things get too rough, they, if they demorph, they'll, they'll just get crushed to death and die, which is different from normal where you just demorph and remorph and you're fine. Um, so while they're out hunting, Rachel tells Tobias about TT and they have kind of like a fight about it. Um, which is a, uh, an interesting bit here we can talk about. Um, but it takes them a little while to find the squid. They have to redive. They have to split up. Um, Tobias sees the Pemalite ship and Rachel finds the squid. There's a big fight. She's losing and has to retreat, but Tobias beats it because he's a good predator and he brings it up for the other Animorphs to morph. Good work. This, this bit here is uh, probably like the second most memorable part about this book to me to be honest, which might seem a little crazy, but like to me, when I think of this book, the first thing I think of is the stupid mall scene at the beginning. And the second thing I think of is the, uh, is, is this bit where they're in the depths of the ocean. It is a little weird. (laughs) I would think that I could think of two other scenes that maybe could come. Yes, I, I get it. I understand it. I don't know what it is about the scene that, um, like clicked with me because it's not, um, you know, like it, it, you, you have this other scene where they're like in the dark, in the deep, and they're in the ocean abyss. And it's not that dissimilar to like, oh, they're in the Arctic and it's cold and they're moving, or like, mm-hmm. oh, they're moles and they're underground and they're digging and it's damp and dark. I don't know what it is about the ocean that makes it more interesting to me. Um, I guess the conversation between Rachel and Tobias happening in the background does add to it and makes it a little better. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the scene for a couple reasons. I think that it does uh it, it harkens back a little to some of the sort of classic Animorphs books where it's just the pure we're dealing with being animals in a weird, unfamiliar environment and dealing with the instincts and making sure we can survive. There's mm-hmm. no as of now, there's no fucking space aliens coming at us. It's it's about it's about nature and it's about the animal life and that kind yeah. of thing. That is uh, interesting. So far, there have been no real like they've got the space the space robots, but they 
those don't come at them. They've had controllers, but they had regular guns. So far, no real space yeah. alien shit. I mean, the whole book, can we say, feels very reminiscent of the message. It's yeah. kind, yes. almost a <laughs> remake of that book. <laughs> it is pretty similar. Uh, yeah, structurally. Uh, the other, And I do think, though, there is something, too, about being in the ocean where the ocean is weird and scary. And there's mm. a ton of it on the Earth that we don't really know about. And we can imagine what kind of weird shit lurks down there. And just like being in space, for instance. Yeah. You'll get you'll you can't breathe. It's it's it feels weird. It's gonna kill you. I I think it's got a scarier vibe mm-hmm. that I like. So yeah. I think I I understand why this is memorable for you. Yeah, I mean that is an interesting point. Like there is that similar thing with being out in space, where it's like if you were a human here, you would just die immediately. It's not like being stranded in the ocean where you would die after a couple hours. You would just be dead. Uh, if you were down here and and it's filled with horrific weird cannibal monsters that eat each other and uh yeah <laughs> there's a, you might hear a cat meowing i don't know don't worry about it it's just uh it's fluffers mckitty <laughs> hi fluffers and then you have the tobias rachel convo which is the that's the that's the crux of this whole book basically yes, yes. <laughs> um and uh, you know, it's it's them being mad at each other. First, they have they share a little bit of squid facts because they've both been doing their animal research. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Tobias is doing this research. He he reads over people's shoulders at the library. Okay, okay. <laughs> he waits for someone to take out a marine biology book and he squints. <laughs> um, and he has some pretty. I got to say cringe jokes about what TT might stand for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Troubled teen, total mm-hmm. turmoil, terrible trauma. <laughs> I guess is he, he's trying to do like a, he's trying to be like a Bill Murray to Sigourney Weaver kind of thing. Is that what, where he's like kind of aloof? He's like, oh, you're dating somebody? No big deal. I don't really know what he's going for. Yeah, it does. I mean, I do think that is, he's kind of, I, I th- yeah, he's feeling awkward, and uh, and he's like, maybe if I make jokes about it, it'll be, you know, I don't know. Because, it, it I mean, it is worth noting that Rachel's, uh, when Rachel's like, I don't know, if I went out with him, I would have asked him to, I was like, oh, you're not? I just assumed that you would have said yes. Like, right. Like, there's some bit here where I, I think he, Tobias is like, listen, Rachel, I like you and all. But I am a bird, and uh, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> Does he mean that, though? Does he really mean that? I don't think so. I wouldn't mean... What do you mean? I don't think he really wouldn't blame her. Okay, no, no, no. I mean, he doesn't say I wouldn't blame you. I don't think he would really not blame her, but I do think he... The way he comes across here is like he just 100% expects this not to work or be a thing. Like, he's not running mm. under... Like, I think feels, that's a front... I think he fully wants it to be a thing, but oh, he's... he wants it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I think he also believes it could and should be, hmm. but he like he's just too, I mean, like he's too afraid to say it out loud. But I think he's like, yeah, she should just. I'm a hawk. She's a girl. It's fine. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I've I taken I I took the opposite interpretation. Whereas like uh you know he's like hey right I like Rachel and she seems to like me and that's good and all but also I don't uh, I'm not operating under the illusion that there is any kind of real future here. Well, I think he gets off on being tortured. <laughs> I, think I think that's he, true. Yeah, like he, so he kind of, I think he wants to live in both worlds. He's like, this can never be. But mm. also he's like, but it must be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, there's something, you got something there for sure. He's a dork, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he is kind of a dork. This conversation is about a page long, would you say? <laughs> That's about right, yeah. It is frustrating to me because I'm like, all right, now we're getting into the juicy stuff. Oh, did you know that we can echolocate? Ah, fuck, shut the fuck up. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it, it's mostly just the issue that it only, like, it's only this. Because if you look at, like, Jake and Cassie, they never have more than, like, well, maybe not never, but they almost never have more than one conversation per book. It's just that they have a conversation every book, and they have, like, <laughs> moments where it'll be like, and yeah, then but- I looked at Cassie, and, and she looked at me. Kind of I don't thing. feel like like Jake and Cassie to me just seems like they get along pretty well. There's not really a lot of unresolved conflict there. I, mm-hmm. Rachel and Tobias to me feels like that's the thing, like the mm-hmm. the will they won't they and the the struggle of their relationship. I feel like should be at the forefront, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you, they need more attention than Jake and Cassie because they're yeah. more interesting in that sense. Yeah, it's like Jake and Cassie are well-adjusted compared to that. <laughs> so there's not there's not a lot of drama to mine there. Yeah, like you're not worried that Jake is not going to end up with Cassie or something. Yeah, yeah. no, right. It's like, well, yeah, whatever. They're, you know, two cute white and black kids going to school together just seems right. It's yeah. a community paraphrase. Okay. It's fine. It doesn't, it's fine. I don't get it. it so, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not your dinner time for an hour. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, all right. So then, okay, so where are we at? I mean, that's the scene. Yeah, right? uh, that is basically it here. Um, the end. Oh, I, uh, I just, I had to look up when we were doing this what spermaceti were. Or was. Okay. All right. Uh, spermaceti is a, um, like, buoyant material that I think also helps focus, uh, like, echolocating waves that's in the sperm whale's giant head. Uh, and it's what they, like, hunted them for to make candles out of. And uh, I felt this was worth mentioning because it's it's just Amrita from Avatar. Um, right. Like you think Amrita is oil, but they, you, you would legitimately, you could find this by going into its mouth and drilling straight up and it would come out. And that's where it is, which is where the Amrita is. So I think that Amrita is not oil. It's spermaceti. That's what I wanted to say. What's the ambergris? Amber? Isn't that, you know what I'm talking about? Amber, ambergris or it's like ambergris. Oh, I don't remember. (laughs) Amber, I know this word. You're getting at something. Yeah, a gray uh, amber. It's produced in the digestive system of of sperm whales, Mm. and uh, has been highly valued by perfume makers. So there's just a lot of shit we like in a whale. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, there sure is. Whales are pretty good. And I mean, there's, it's not just us. There's like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking get into it. We don't need to go on a whole tangent about whale falls and ocean ecosystems. No, see, because now, you know what we can do every time that happens is, oh, that's a Patreon episode. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Put a pin in the, the whales <laughs> for later on. Um. Okay. So yeah. they so get the squid. They get the squid. They all morph into the squid. They go searching for the ship. It's kind of hard for them to find it, even though I saw it earlier. Um, it's almost too late. They're almost running out of time when they see Yerk ships moving towards something. So they're like, oh, that's the Pemolite ship. And they beat the Yerks there. Uh, the Pemolite ship is sitting on a ledge in an underwater canyon. And it is the thing that we saw on the inner cover. It's about uh, 300, 300 feet long, I think it said. I have written 500 feet long, but I'm pretty sure it said 300 and I'm an idiot. Um, okay. But it's glowing green and it's shaped like Snoopy, like we said. Um, the They get in and the Pemolite ship, it's got like a system to auto-generate the right habitat for animals that come in it. So... When they are going around the Pem Light ship, they are still squids, and they are encased in floating water bubbles. And when they swim in the water bubble, the water bubble moves with them. So just, uh, you know, picture that, if you will. Um, the inside of the ship is kind of reminiscent of a dome ship, in a way, in that it's uh, like a giant park. But it's more like brightly colored, like a painting or a cartoon. It's more like a natural playground than a, like, park. Um... There's, like, toys and shit everywhere. Uh, they go to the bridge of the ship, which is just a tree trunk. Uh, they put in the password, six, and they reactivate the chi. Uh, <laughs> so before pretty we get easy to the... To do. <laughs> pretty easy to do. Before we get to the crazy part, let's do comments on this Pemolite ship. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the... Seeing the picture of it really drove it home, but even reading when they find the ship, it, it's just hard to get over how fucking goofy the Pemolites are. Yes. <laughs> Amidst, they, I think it, In my mind, they look like Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> right, literally Goofy. Literally Goofy. <laughs> it's just, all of, the book is, at this point, we're really just treating them, we're taking them for granted that there's just these androids, and it doesn't. Nobody comments on it being silly, but when you're like, oh, it looks like Snoopy, it is a little hard to take any of this too seriously to the point where, again, in the theoretical, if they were to ever make some kind of Animorphs movie or or, or series in the future, it's like, you almost just have to not make them look like dog people. Like, I don't know how you can do that and not make it ridiculous. I mean, I want to go the other way entirely and be all like your animorphs uh remake cannot be too serious like there's too much mm. shit in animorphs that is just too goofy but this book is not a comedic book no no like you That's just what have I'm to say like but, but i think I, you if you could see if you were looking at a giant dog ship <laughs> it be it's comedic now you can't avoid it Listen, the tonal whiplash is an integral part of Animorphs and you can't you can't get away from it. If you want to try to just make it feel all one way, all goofy, all serious, you're not going to get the soul of Animorphs. I guess I just think there's a time and a place and I don't know if it fully works here for me, but I I don't know. I'm watching like Invincible right now, uh, which is in its second season and 
that's an animated show, which I think we've said Animorphs would obviously lend itself more to animation. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think maybe it's possible. Maybe you can strike that balance and make it okay. But you have to, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a tricky thing to do. And I feel like a part of in this book is, like I said, it's just the fact that I'm not looking at it visually. I can sort of compartmentalize that in my mind when I need to. Yeah. Although this uh, this pen light chip is supposed to be sort of goofy. Like they they do yeah. the whole thing with the like the password is six, which everyone. Right. I think this is another one of those <laughs> iconic things where you, you would if you had someone who's like I was a big Animorphs fan. When I was 13 and haven't read it since then, you might be able to ask what was the password to the Pemolite ship, and they might be able to answer. <laughs> and I look, I do think that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's very funny. So, yeah, I'm not like completely against it. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit mixed on it. Yeah. But and maybe it's also like maybe it's okay here, but I'm just thinking down the line, like when you're making the cheese such a big part of your series, uh, it's tough. I don't know. It's like I'm maybe I'm worrying about the future. There is there is kind of a weird. The chi are so much more easy to take seriously than the pemolites. It is a little bit of a weird yeah. thing. It's like the pemolites are the goofy ones, and then their goofy toys that they built for fun were like. We're the serious ones here. <laughs> yeah. We love our masters because they're so goofy. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We got a call back to the your hours joke. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Sure, that's that's fun. I also like when Axe turning into Squid says, I think this will be an interesting morph. So many arms. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's thinking about things he can do with those arms. Like shove more bunza into his mouth. <laughs> that's that's one way of looking at it. Uh, I, so I'm just I'm just gonna rapid fire a couple of things here. Yeah. Uh, they also I also thought it was you know when she morphs what Rachel mentions just a quick shout out to Zero Space. Every once in a while they throw in mm-hmm. something to remind you there's weird science fiction happening. <laughs> mm, you know sometimes those are callouts that like the next book is gonna like right. when they they name drop the Chi in uh, or or they name drop the Howlers in book 25 so that you're ready for them in 26. So. You yeah, never also, know. Also worth pointing out here that uh, they somewhere in the book before this point they have name dropped name dropped Krayak. Yes, they have done which, that. Which I thought, oh, interesting. They're trying to keep r- remind you about that. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> Didn't take long to find out. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I I think now we're gonna find out in a minute why this doesn't quite work. But I think this book would have been better without Yerks. They're barely in it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think by this point, once they show up, I just I think you could have had mind more drama from them. Maybe if there had been some other struggle to uh, getting the, the ship reset instead of Axe just going beep, boop, beep, I did it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that could have for me, that could have taken the place of the Yerks. But I guess we find out there is a reason for them, so I I don't know. But it, it felt yeah. like too much for me. It felt like they just we they had a mandate. We got to put a Visser three in there. So yeah, we we didn't have any fucking Yorks last book. Were you gonna have two books in a row with no Yorks? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then in twenty four, there were there was they didn't really use the Yorks there either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, like, I guess it's yeah. It does at some point it's like wait a minute, aren't they still threats? But, yeah, aren't we fighting them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if you remember this book from when you're a kid, 
and you, you are listening to this episode, you're probably like, I'm an hour and 50 minutes into this. Uh, <laughs> where in the ever-loving fuck is the Drode, right? <laughs> How has he not shown up yet? So 135 pages into this 154-page uh, book. Um, all of a sudden, you know, like I said, they fixed it. <laughs> they set the sequence. And, uh, and a... Uh, but then... Then the, a Chi self-destruct sequence gets activated somehow. Like, what? The Chi are going to self-destruct? What? I didn't punch that in. And the Yerks are starting to come in. Oh, no. So everything's about to be a disaster. And uh, a voice starts talking to them. It's uh, kind of Joker-like. And it's like, oh, the drama. And uh, it's making fun of all of them. And out steps the Drode. Um, the Drode has two legs and a stubby tail it's like leaning forward like a bird or a dinosaur he's wrinkled in black like a prune or a raisin um and he has like a vaguely human-ish head with like green lips and like anya taylor joy eyes like way too far apart <laughs> and uh he seems to know everything about them when they try to attack him they just kind of like arc away um so the drode uh works for krayak uh, and he is here to get payback. Um, but he, like, Ooh, has rules, too. Ooh, he works for Krayak, not here to get... Yeah, ooh, we're here to get payback. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that. Uh, yeah, continue. whoa. Anyway, he, he also has rules, because uh, he's a, a Krayak guy. He's, like, not allowed to kill sentient creatures. So uh, part of that means that even though he's got the Animorphs trapped here with the Yerks coming in... There's got to be some way out for them. Um, so he, the Yerks show up and the Animorphs figure out their escape plan, which is uh, they thought they were trapped because they couldn't demorph in front of the Yerks, but they can ink up their water and demorph in the ink. Um, so they do that and there's a big ass fight. Um, and the whole time the Drode is showing up and taunting them while they're fighting. Apparently unseen and unheard by the Yerks, I guess. That is not explicit, but they don't seem to take any note of him, so I sp that must be true. Um, <laughs> he, he uses magic to hide himself. Yes. At, at, notably, at some point uh, in this fight, uh, the Drode says that he'll <laughs> save Rachel if she kills Jake. Um, but anyway, in the middle of this giant fight, Eric shows up. He has swam all the way to the ship since the fight started. He deactivates the self-destruct. He activates a hostility containment program, which puts everyone in slow motion, and the ship kicks all of them out. So the Yerks have to go home, and the Animorphs have to go home. <laughs> yes. Eric appears. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I can move again. Here I come. Yeah, they can just, like, run halfway around the their planet if they can move. This is not a problem for them. Yeah. This is, there's Eric. Okay. Here he it's is. Whatever, no, no, no fuss, nothing. It's fine. Mm. No pomp and circumstance. Yes, the drode. The drode. I'm not gonna the lie, to you, John. I don't oh, care don't. for the drode. You don't care for the drode. <laughs> I don't care for the drode. Love the drode. <laughs> Hate the drode. Are you kind of a drode head. <laughs> Wait, um, did I, did I just say? <laughs> okay, now hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Drode head. Drode, drode head. head. Toga. I'm, I'm a bit of a drode beard. <laughs> I think. Oh, that's good. That's good. What's your what's your problem with the drode? 
He's stupid, and he doesn't <laughs> fucking add anything to the Elemist Krayak thing. Like, it's he's not like, oh, I made a whole species. It's like, oh, I made a little servant guy who's, like, my guy. Uh, and then he sucks, and he's stupid, and I don't like him. I think it's fun. Well... I think he's, his design is fun. He's a little he's a little weirdo. He's like the Joker. He is exactly like the Joker. They say his name means wild card, which is oh, which, Joker. by the way, in what language? What do you mean? Why, what do you mean his name means wild card? Why don't you just name him that then? Like, do you what think is, the what is Drode he? is from a species and Krayak uh, recruited him, or do you think Krayak grew him in a lab like a howler? Yeah, it's impossible to say. He's the Drode. Yeah. <laughs> like like the Elemist. Well, he's yeah. The Drode. He, th- this one is explicit. He's not from a species of Drodes. The Drode is his name, and like like it literally translates to the Joker. All right. Fuck Mary Kill, the Drode, <laughs> the Elemist, and the Five. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Probably. I mean, Probably, I'd say, fuck the drode, marry the Elemist, kill the five, because they died anyway. <laughs> right? I'm really wanting to fuck that Elemist, I'm not going to lie. No, the drode is, like, moans. wild in the sack, <laughs> you know? The drode might be wild in the sack. He's a wild card. It might not be bad to fuck the drode. Actually, he might, like, he might wish do something I could that hurts him. yet. Here, let me tell you my honest, immediate reaction. Because you, the yes, drode starts yeah. taunting them yeah. before you find out he's the drode. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you is do you have a do you have a guess of what I thought was going on? I have no idea what you thought was going on. The way that he speaks and seems to know everything about the animorphs and is making fun of them, exactly the same as David. Mm. I, I thought that a little rat was about to pop out. <laughs> now, he doesn't speak in thought speech. And this was also confusing to me because I, I was also like, wait, how can he hear their thought speech? Were they just projecting it out? Mm. But I guess he's the drode. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a David's back type of thing. Yeah, I that's legitimately because they were all like, huh, that voice, like who could have been doing all orchestrating all this? And I was like, oh, shit, this is David's fucking revenge. Yeah, David's revenge. He orchestrated the whale. He orchestrated the chi. <laughs> he never found out. It. He only found out they had spies in the Yerks. He never found out about the chi. Well, listen, my new headcanon going yeah. forward uh-huh. is that Krayak... Just like he was willing to make a deal with Rachel, he found David and he turned him into the Drode. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The, the Drode is, is David. David. Whoa. That's that's yeah. a really good fan theory. I like <laughs> Makes this. Makes him better. Don't you like him more now, right? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, cool. <laughs> um... Anyway, I'm I'm all right with the drone. I was fine with them. I the rules here they cannot kill sentient creatures. Are the chi are not sentient? Uh, the because they're not creatures, they're androids. So he I, can I kill mean, them. We're getting into now discussions of AI and robot laws of robotics. I guess I don't know. They seem like they're. I don't know. Let's we yeah. don't need to get into it. I but. agree, but listen, these are not. The the Elemists set these rules with Krayak. The Drode <laughs> sure. doesn't want to live by these rules. <laughs> sure. Okay. Were, were you were you at this point kind of looking at the percentage left in the book and being like, what the fuck is this thing? 
and why there's there, there's no more book. Like this, what <laughs> this uh, thing is here. Honestly, no. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> they've, okay. They've completely. I'm just used to this now. <laughs> You're just immune. I was like, oh, I, actually, really, what I'm thinking is like, okay, so I guess now this is gonna be the thing. Maybe is like instead of a Visser three morph. Now that now that Krayax fully at play Mm. here and we've got more Elemist explicitly in the foreground. Now I guess it's going to be all about every book. We're going to get a new Elemist monster of the Mm. week, maybe or not, or sorry, a Krayak monster of the week. Yeah. Or like, uh, or like a Krayak can't show up every book because he's too powerful, but we want Krayak to be involved. So we have to make a Drode so the Drode can show up every book or something. Basically, if I'm Visser 3, I'm pissed because I think this guy's eating his lunch right now. It's like, this is, who fucking cares about, Visser 3 doesn't even get to morph in this book. It's like, who cares about it? Yeah, I don't think he does. Does I don't think he does. I don't remember him morphing. No, he just like stands there and watches. (laughs) Yeah, screams a bunch. You know, Krayak is the new hotness. Visser 3, old and busted. Yeah, uh, you're you're a hundred percent right. We we need that. All, all about that drode. <laughs> all about that drode. There and in this fight scene, there's also a really weird moment. I don't know if you have a take on this moment where Rachel and a Horkbajir lock eyes and <laughs> have a weird bond for a second. Uh, I don't. I don't even quite remember this. <laughs> I was like, did I miss a paragraph? There's a, like in the middle of a fight and uh, she crashes into a hork They both get knocked to the, to the, says it knocked him to the ground beneath me. So I Whoa. guess they're like, she's like on top of him. Whoa. And here's the next paragraph. For one brief moment, our eyes met and suddenly eerily, we were more than warriors on separate sides. We were each other. And for a frozen moment, the world went mm. still. And then the hork slashes at her. Okay, I see. So this is, I, I probably was only half paying attention because I was like, <laughs> it's a big fight scene. But this does make sense because there is, this ties into the whole, um, like, Krayak is courting Rachel, right? And he gives her the whole, like, if you kill Jake, I'll be, you know, uh, I'll let you go. You can be on my side. And I think that there is a part later on where Rachel explicitly says that the there is something inside her that Krayak is talking to. Like, he's not just throwing random shit out at the wall. Like, he sees something dark inside her, and he's speaking directly to it. And, um... And so I think that might be what's going here. Like she, she, you know, is she different than this Yerk who is a murderer monster, right? Like, cause she is too or something, right? Does that make sense? Maybe, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I felt like it was so in the middle there without any real intro or mm. <laughs> alternatively, like maybe they fucked. <laughs> yeah, maybe does, they fucked. Does that make sense? Yeah, that actually makes a lot sense of sense. Okay, okay. <laughs> this doesn't make sense, does it? Um, okay. But anyway, I like the drode. And yeah. I guess, and the drode doesn't die or anything, right? He's still out no. there. No, the drode is, uh, is just like, ah, I can't believe you've got out of my trap and then, like, disappears. I mean, I will, like, to your to be sympath- to see it from your side, he is a little... If he's a little like just Krayak light, I suppose, and 
He's I kind of comes it kind of feels like they're trying to give you a new fun big bad, but they don't I don't know that they really build him up enough to make it cool. <laughs> I think my real problem with them is that up until now, the Elemist and Kreak have seemed very grand. Like they they come in and they introduce themselves immediately, like, you will do this for me. And then you have to have a whole book of them doing this thing for them before you realize what it is they actually wanted you to do. Like, they're operating on some massive scale. And the droid shows up, and he's just like, oh, I gave you a conundrum. Can you figure it out? Hoo-hoo. He, like, he's not, <laughs> he's not on that same scale, but he he's represents that scale. Here's my, uh, here's my fan theory on this one, too. I think that since the last book, some kind of line was breached where the Elemist brought the Animorphs into the fight and, like, Jake met Krayak in person after seeing him in his dreams. And now Krayak, something has changed where he's allowed to more directly interact with them. And this is, like, his first foot now into that world. That is a reasonable assumption that that the Elemist crossed a line there, that... that allows the drogue to show up they they do say this is payback for what you did last Mm -hmm. book in here so it would make sense that that you know he's allowed to do that because of what happened last book yeah i was the other thing that i don't is to me feels a little flat is the idea of him trying to court Rachel, like, I don't ever believe for a second she would consider it. So, Mm -hmm. but it it kind of, I don't know, sort of, I guess they don't really want me to think that. I guess they're just trying to, you know, make her aware of her dark side and dark tendencies, but it does feel a little hollow to me. Like, I, come on, I know she's not going to do it. I don't, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to think that. Yeah, I mean, oh. I do think you're not supposed to think that, but they do try to make a whole point where, where I, I don't know. I feel like the the bit at the end where, because at the very end, Rachel is thinking about it and she's like, she decides not to tell Jake about it, right? She's like, I could tell Jake that he offered it. I'm going to keep that to myself. But when she's thinking about it, she basically says, yeah, he's completely right. I am like a weirdo psycho, but also I know my limits, right? And I would never kill my own cousin and uh, Jake doesn't need to know about it. And it, it, it kind of, I don't know, there's something about it that's just like, if you think that he's right to be talking to this dark part of you, and then you're also hiding it, and then you're excusing it as, but I know better, it'll be okay. I don't know. I, I do think there's something about that that um, could could make you wonder. But, you know, I, I also mm-hmm. don't think, you know, at no point was I ever thinking, oh, yeah, Rachel's going to kill Jake or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 All right. I guess it's in a way it mirrors the Elemist's bullshit of, mm-hmm. like, making the deal with Tobias, for instance. It's, yeah. like, maybe there should have been more of a, I wish there was more of a, like that kind of an angle of like, well, you're going to die if you don't accept my help or something. Yeah. Or like there's some twist to it where like he knows she's not going to do it, but like by refusing, mm. she has made some other deal or something. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it feels like a win lose situation for her when they, sh- they should be trying to present a lose lose, but one of them seems like less of a lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it's fine. Drode's yeah. going to drode. I do think that there is something here, uh, specifically with the, the like specific phrasing of the drodes offer that, um, 
maybe we can circle back to like way way down the line but i'll put um, a, i'll put a postcard up yeah put a put a post-it note or a post that's what i meant <laughs> uh and we'll revisit it then all right let's end this please all right. So, you know, like I said, Rachel has that conclusion about the droids offer. Uh, the whale gets away, of course. Uh, everything's nice there. And um, the next day, TT shows up again and asks Rachel out again. And Rachel turns him down again. And this time Tobias sees it and is all like, oh, he seemed cute. And she's like, shut the fuck up. And then they go flying together. <laughs> At the end, that's the book. <laughs> Okay, so great. That's I mean I I have nothing really to say about that. that yeah, section. no, I just figured oh, I'll wrap that up. Couple points, except just, for when yeah. uh, he, Rachel says he TT calls her a name she's been called before. <laughs> Beautiful. That must be what it is. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I, he was a jerk after all. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not cunt. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put I, up a a, a cunt it's counter a kid's for book. you. Two so far. I guess one for me now. (laughs) You think it's just two? (laughs) It could be more. (laughs) Anyway, I want to just say I like this book. I think that – is this our second ghost-written book? Yeah, it's only the second one. Yes. Certainly better than the last one. Right? What was the last one? No, wait. Uh, the last one was the attack. Yeah, the last one was not the one with the helmet across. No, it sorry. Was, the it was the, uh, the extreme, the extreme the when extreme. they were in the Arctic. Oh yeah, well, actually no, that one. That book was fine too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that I think actually similar. I think both of those books kind of have a like a feel of a sort of more or less standard Animorphs adventure with maybe a little a couple of deeper sci-fi wrinkles that get thrown in there. This, so we, you know, we got the Krayak yeah. here. So that's, that still feels fresh and fun and new. Um, I think the writing is not bad. My, my issue with the, this book is one, very few things actually happen. Like there's maybe like four scenes. I feel like, but they're just very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we're at the mall for a long time and then we're in the ocean for a long time. Like it, it, there's not a lot of uh, I feel that changes. I think I think I did notice that when I was breaking this story apart for the outline that there were times where I was kind of breaking in the middle of scenes because they went on too long. Yeah, like the the, oh, the whale to squid scene is yeah. r- really long. <laughs> yeah. Um uh it's just I guess I guess it's better maybe than the alternative of it being rushed, but it mm-hmm. was it was something to notice. But but really it's it, the book just gets more caught up in the animal behavior and the mission when at the beginning of the book when it starts right away with Rachel like you know, feeling guilty about Tobias. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, "Oh, that's the centerpiece of this book. We're going to they're going to deal with that. It's going to be head on with her and Tobias." And it's just a little piece and yeah. I, it has, and it doesn't like the actual mission does not reflect that at all. It's, yeah. You, it just, do you think that that wasn't in K Applegate's outline at all? Like, I think <laughs> oh. the outline for this book survives. If you take that out entirely, it's possible that was added by the ghostwriter. I would fully buy that if K Applegate was just like, here's my ridiculous sci-fi bullshit. And then they were like, uh, characters should have feelings for each other <laughs> and she was like what you mean because there's gloobles in them and the gloobles give them love jubels <laughs> well, 
I don't know, just because they're teenagers with hormones? Oh, oh does the, the love lead to the genocide of a sentient species <laughs> like I did last book? Well... <laughs> Yeah, maybe there's still a few Helmicrons kicking around somewhere <laughs> making this happen. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. So it didn't quite, like, I feel like this book could have been more, but it was, it didn't, mm-hmm. I will say, like, I, I, this is one where I don't know if you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have felt like, oh, something's off about this book. It feels mm-hmm. like it belongs in the series. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think I would agree, although, you know, when I was a kid, I had no idea because they did not make a big deal about switching to ghostwriters at all. Uh, they might have just entirely hidden it. I'm not sure if they, like, ever admitted while it was running that they were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I would be surprised if they did. Yeah, no, I, I think at some point on, on Anabase K, Applegate said something about, like, getting help with the future books because of her workload, but I don't think they were more explicit than that. Um, I, I think it's interesting because I, I agree with you that this feels like a more standard Animorph story, uh, just kind of a regular line out the plot and, and boom, 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 hit the beats, which is very funny considering it's got the fucking Chi Pamela thing. It's got the goddamn Drode <laughs> at the end, but like it, right. you can just look at the ending with the Drode, like, and then a crazy thing happens at the end. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it feels like the bones of a traditional Animorph story, but I think the reason why I liked it more than that is that it's, it does have those little, like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, like the chi being involved is interesting. You get a little splash of Krayak and you get a splash of Rachel Tobias. It's, it's mm-hmm. just enough to make it feel a little more important than just a, another mission. Yeah. Uh, one thing yeah. that's kind of interesting is, that, you know, it's not just the Rachel and Tobias stuff, also the Rachel personality stuff. Like, the Rachel mm-hmm. is struggling with her violent tendencies, the Rachel is having power struggles with Jake stuff. Um, all of that is, like, th- sprinkled throughout this book, and it's represented in here better than it sometimes is in the past, but none of it is directly tied to the plot in any real way. Like, like I said, you the the outline of this book remains perfectly intact. This doesn't have to be Rachel. Anybody could have told this story. That kind of feels almost overlaid onto it in a way, which isn't necessarily bad, but I do think that that's interesting to me that it it's done that way. Yeah, I I think that's right. And it, and her personality comes through well and yeah, I wonder how many books if I thought about them I would feel like the characters are were essential for that POV. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the majority of them. (laughs) Yeah, no, there there's, I, that's something that I'm kind of thinking about now that like made such a big deal about with the suspicion with the Helmicrons Mm -hmm. in not being a Cassie book. And, um, you know, part of that is in contrast to book 19, which could only have ever been a Cassie book. Um, I do think that 26 is a Jake book. I don't I don't think this is very good from a different person's perspective, just as an example here. Yeah, like I feel like I, I think this, it makes sense as a Rachel book, but you can kind of see where if you really wanted to, you could just slot in another Animorph and kind of give them and just replace anger issues with mommy issues or whatever the case may be versus some other books. It's like, well, obviously this had to be acts because like the plots all about Andalites and shit or something like that. Like the, the actual mission plot wasn't important to her, but they injected her personal stuff. into it. 
Yeah, whereas, again, if you go to, like, book 26, I, I think the fact that you have this, like, we are trying to lead this mission on an alien planet and we're trying to figure out the right way to navigate it and do this, I, yeah. I think... And and especially because so much of it is about Krayak and you're trying to build this relationship between Jake and Krayak, like the book yeah. doesn't work as well without him. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know. Pop pop culture? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. They mentioned FedEx drivers. Uh, <laughs> they're at the mall or something. Marco calls Rachel, of course, Xena Warrior Princess, although I don't think he does in this book. No. <laughs> but but he does. Uh, about going on a date with TT. We could go for pizza afterward or to McDonald's or whatever. Uh, there are a few emotional problems that can't be made better by shopping Old Navy and Express. Now, there's going to be, we're at the mall, so there's a bunch of <laughs> store references. I'm probably not going to hit all of them every time, but so, you know, bear with me. Uh, Rachel targets the limited, but she doesn't limit herself to target. Ooh, the body shop. Cool. What did you get? She inquires of Cassie. This is in the running for one of my favorite sentences in Animorphs. There's actually a few of those in here, but this one is mm-hmm. really good. Eric the Chi was standing in front of the gap. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Excellent sentence. Sublime. <laughs> it would, and it also kind of feels like, uh, you know, if you're rehearsing, if you're about to <laughs> go on stage, Eric the Chi was standing in front of the gap. Eric the Chi mm-hmm. was standing in front of the gap, you know? Yeah, I I hear it. Okay. What's he going to find at Nine West? A nice pair of sandals? Okay. Of course, they go to Spencer's Gifts where they have, among other things, X-Files memorabilia. Yeah, that's what they're known for. We propped Eric up in the corner between a stack of Star Wars posters and a life-sized replica of the alien from the movie Alien. Xenomorph, too, uh, too obscure for kids' books. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, now here's where I have to ask you a question because Uh-oh. there's there, there's a kid wearing a shirt in this uh-huh. scene, and I believe what is on the shirt is referenced two times, and one of yeah. mine had a different, what I assume is a typo, but I actually don't know which one is the correct one. <laughs> so what is your, what is the kid wearing on his shirt? Can you tell me? Uh, uh Maybe I have to double check. I... Only what did have you write ri- down. I have written down Hanson with S O N. Yeah, is right. What no, I have that's, written down. Yeah, no, Hanson, I'm assuming is correct. So I assume I, this probably is an ebook typo, but I don't know. I'd be curious if it's in the, the print version. The first time he came up, it said he was wearing a Manson shirt, <laughs> which I thought Charles, but probably Marilyn. Which could also make, it actually makes more sense if a kid in Spencer's is wearing a Marilyn Manson shirt than a Hanson shirt. That would make more sense. But both of them are active at this time. In in 1999, they're both very plausible shirts to be worn. All right. So in my version, yes, there are two... (laughs) Uh, instances of Hanson and zero instances of Manson. In, All right. Or at least not in my version, in my PDF version. I didn't check my actual book because I can't control F that. Sure, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that it's a Hanson shirt, but I don't know. What a fun mystery, wasn't it, folks? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Tommy Hilfiger underwear. Uh, Rachel says, sorry, they don't have a Walmart at the mall. 
is kind of a snob. King Kong versus Godzilla. This one is another question mark. Uh, they reference a lava lamp. I tried to find this. I don't think lava lamp is technically a trademark, but uh, mm. there is a company that is the one who primarily makes them, and they have some other trademarks related to lava lamp. So maybe a gray area. I, I think it might have been capitalized one time in the book that I have, so I don't know. Uh, the Tin Man and the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the masks they're going through. They have Clinton Gingrich and, mm-hmm. a, and a Teletubby. Dipsy, I think. Uh, that's not Dipsy, actually. That's Tinky Winky. Dipsy's green and has the straight-up thing. Tinky Winky's the one with the triangle. Who's the little red one? Poe. little taste of the conversation there. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of mention, banter you get in this book. We got Newt, Newt Gingrich in the, here as well as Clinton. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pretty fun. Um, another, just another one. It's there's a little bit of a repeat, but again, I think maybe one of the best sentences. A minute later, a gorilla wearing a sandwich board sign for a misspelled movie carried a very trendily dressed Bill Clinton over his shoulder out of the mall. <laughs> Where else can you find that but Animorphs? That nowhere. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned again that the dressing room in the gap is the York pool entrance. Uh, make a joke about AOL standing for Androids Online. No jokes about uh, WAA, <laughs> however. Yeah, we forgot about that. Uh, do we have to discover the Fountain of Youth and come up with a low-fat cookie that tastes as good as Mrs. Fields's too? Okay, Rachel's head when she's an elephant is the size of one of those cute little Volkswagens. I guess VW bugs are kind of new maybe so they're they have to kind of remind you what that is <laughs> okay uh what is this when animals attack hey can king kong climb the empire state building we could tell everyone we're going to find the titanic we could see if leo dicaprio is floating around down there <laughs> <laughs> Tobias says, I am so totally not interested in being Captain Nemo. And then they go on this long argument about whether it's called Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea or Journey to the Bottom of the Sea. Of course, it is, in fact, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. Oh, yeah, Voyage was a TV show. They run it on the Sci-Fi Channel. And Marco says, I thought it was on Nick at Night. Yeah. A whole lot of... I did actually... I I like how Rachel says, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Jules Verne. (laughs) <laughs> from from <laughs> and <laughs> i need to point out that this is not the first instance of them spelling nick at night incorrectly mm. uh they spell night like the real word yeah. when in fact it's n-i-t-e but they are now officially associated with nickelodeon so you'd think they would get that right <laughs> uh, i would not saying. think that anyone edited these <laughs> Um, Rachel has an image of her being squashed to the size of a Barbie doll in the ocean floor. I don't really know how that, I, I don't, you wouldn't get squashed to the size of a Barbie doll. I, well, I guess if you're standing straight up and you get flattened from an angle, whatever. Well, you'd be crushed uh, from, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really work. It's a, it's a metaphor. Okay. She is a seagull and she wants an empty Lay's barbecue chips bag. Mercifully, there are no other seagull trash (laughs) references in the book. (laughs) I was real worried at first. Uh, She pictures herself also as a big drowned female Gulliver. Does Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels drown? I I don't I don't know. He like washes up on a shore. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm an animal in Animal Crossing. There's a sea or a pelican or something named Gulliver. 
and he gets yeah. washed up on shore. And I think that's what they're referencing. No, he's a seagull. I don't know what he is. Um, <laughs> this is not my favorite sentence when she says Uh-oh. the echolocation is like a black and white sketch that traced across my mind and was erased like an etch a sketch. Okay, so it's like a black and white sketch, and the black and white sketch is also like something else. Stick to one meta. Don't put a metaphor in your metaphor. It's ridiculous. Just yeah, say it's like an etch a sketch. This is what we call good prose, John. I'm sorry you can't recognize it. <laughs> uh, sharp-edged suckers the size of saucers super glued the creature to me. Super glue. Capped. Capital super. Capital glued. Yep. The way you might feel the dentist is real, even through the Novocaine. Capital N. It looks like Snoopy, like a huge prone faint green Snoopy. Inside, is this inside the ship? There's a bunch of swirls, Picasso-like abstracts, and Van Gogh flowers, and trees and bushes in Crayola colors. And, uh, you know, I heard Disney was building a cruise ship. Maybe this is it. So how about that? This was pre-Disney cruise. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. (laughs) I think that's fun. That's the end of the pop culture references from this book. Well, there's one other thing in here. That it does. It, oh, it's so close to counting. Uh, Marco sees uh, the drode and he says, "Like someone called the Prune Growers Association," and that's capitalized. And I looked it up, and there is nothing that is called the <laughs> Prune Growers Association, but there are so many things that are damn close. So this could be the Prune Bargaining Association, which is located in California and was founded before this book. There's also like a a prune growers marketing association, which wasn't founded until after this book. It's so close, but I couldn't find an actual prune growers association. I'm glad you tried. I did. You did your due diligence. (laughs) I'll also say there's a part where Marco's a grill and he says, this place is a madhouse. And I thought that might have been a little reference to Planet of the Apes because that's a classic line where he says, it's a madhouse. Mm, Could be. Yeah, maybe I think if I if Marco might be as a gorilla just constantly looking for excuses to make ape jokes. I, th- I think he would be. I mean, he makes a few <laughs> in this book. <laughs> okay. Uh so why don't you uh what if you told the folks how they could help support the show maybe? <laughs> how are they doing that? On our Patreon maybe? They might go uh, to our Patreon? Yeah, at, okay. Uh, what was it? Slash Yerky boy? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Slash I the to... Yerky boys? Yeah, that's our official. T- it's If it exists, it's patreon.com <laughs> slash the Yerky boys. Yeah, I don't even remember what you said. And it's, well, it's not that hard to remember, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, we also didn't discuss, I don't know, will there be an episode, a bonus episode? There probably should be one there when you sign up, right? There sh- probably should be. When do those come think. out? If That's it's not there question. now, check next week. We're working out the, the details and let us know what you think. You can email us with your questions or comments for free. Uh, the Yerky Boys at gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can follow me online. I have another podcast called Geeks on Trial. That's a lot of fun. And other stuff, too. You can follow me on Blue Sky even at, uh, at Jonathan Estes, which is my name on Blue Sky. Yeah, you could also follow me on Blue Sky at Dog Times McGee. So, thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about Book 28, The Experiment in which Axe turns into a cow on the Yerky Boys. I'm pretty excited now.